he's still standing, right? So everybody else is taking cover. And he rings the towel. Fires a single shot. This guy smokes him. Like 120 yards. 120 <laughs> yards from the standing. And he looks down at me and he's like, hey, sir, we're under fire. And I was like, yeah, I, I got that. It made me look like such a bitch. You know, like I'm doing what I was supposed to do. Yeah. I'm not, you know, Captain America and the Avengers. I can just stand here shooting people, you know, under fire, under machine gun fire, all calm and collected. Take three seconds to take a shot. Hit a guy in the face. That's not me. I know my limitations. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Mountain Tough Podcast. I'm Dustin Defender for founder and CEO of Mountain Tough, and we are so stoked that you're back listening to these episodes week after week. It is our goal to bring you inspiring and encouraging and impactful guests every episode to help you transform your life, change your life, encourage you so you can live that abundant life that Mountain Tough is all about. If you are new or if you haven't done so already, it does mean a ton to us if you could leave a review or a ranking on the app store of your choice. Those reviews and rankings help get these episodes out in front of more people, and we love seeing those come through. So if you like this episode, please take a second and leave us a review on the app store of your choice. Diving into current events at Mountain Tough, We are humming right now. There is a ton going on as we get ready for the new year. One of the coolest things going on is the What's Your Mountain campaign. The What's Your Mountain is a video campaign where we are accepting videos from our community and we're looking for content around how you're using Mountain Tough to tackle different mountains in your life. So a ton of folks use Mountain Tough to train for the backcountry They're using Mountain Tough to train for backcountry hunts, but a lot of folks are using it to tackle different mountains in their life as well, such as anxiety, depression, work and family balance. A lot of different mountains come up, and we know physical and mental fitness can help tackle those mountains. So if you send us your video content, we are reviewing that content, sharing that content, and we are going to pull a winner from those videos using hashtag what's your MTN and the winner gets an all expense paid trip out to the Bozeman lab for tough fest 2024. So that is an awesome thing going on right now. We can't wait to see who's going to win that and get them out to tough fest here with the mountain tough team in Bozeman. Also we're getting ready for the new year. The new year's coming up fast and every January mountain tough always releases some new flagship programs. So we've been working on a lot of new flagship programs for 2024, and those are going to come out just in a couple days after this episode launches. So late January, late December, right around Christmas, you're going to see the teaser for our new programs for 2024. So we've been working on these for years, sometimes multiple years, but what you're going to see launched now is going to be a brand new kettlebell program we're calling Kettlebell, kettlebell Diesel. So diesel is a strength and speed program using a kettlebell. So you're going to pack on a ton of strength on that program, but that program is also going to make you a better and faster runner. So you're getting strength and speed at the same time. So it's the ultimate hybrid athlete functional fitness program 
only using a kettlebell. So it's minimal gear. You can do this one at home. You can do this one anywhere. It's a four-week program, so keep your eye out for diesel. If you did kettlebell 20, that was one of our most popular programs ever. This is the next level, so this is a level up. So if you're a big fan of kettlebell 20, you're definitely going to want to go through diesel. We also are launching a brand new nutrition program to get your nutrition dialed in with Kyle Camp. So keep your eye out for the nutrition content. There's some phenomenal content in there. So you make sure that you have your diet dialed in addition to your fitness and your mental health. Also, we're going to have a new strength block. The strength block is hardcore old school strength. So you're going to pack on a ton of strength on this program. So if you're used to doing postseason strength, Think about switching to mountain strength. You're going to see that launch here in a couple of days. It was written and filmed by Donnie Bigham. Donnie is a world record holder and professional power lifter. So it is a perfect program to mix into your other style of mountain tough training because it's only four days a week. So you can pack on a ton of strength, take your strength to a whole new level, but you can still get those cardio days twice a week. So if you're a runner, a biker, or you drop in those mountain tough high intensity workouts on those two days, this will be a perfect program for you. Lastly, we're dropping the mountain. The mountain is one of the hardest minimal gear programs we've ever put together. We tested it on the daily athletes and MGDs, and now we're opening it up to the public. The mountain is hardcore. So it's an elite level minimal gear program. No running in that one, so you don't need a treadmill. You can literally do the mountain anywhere in a 10 by 10 room. You just need some dumbbells, a kettlebell, a cooler, and a pull-up bar. That one is phenomenal. That one's also four weeks. So lots of new programs are hitting the shelves here in about four days. Don't miss those teasers, and don't miss the sale that we'll have on the annual subscription to get you into those programs for January. Lastly, we do have one day left on the Mountain Ops Hydrate Mountain Tough Limited Edition exclusive flavor. So Mountain Ops worked with us and we built a limited edition lemon lime flavor. It's the Mountain Tough Lemon Lime in their Hydrate product. So their Hydrate product is all about hydration. It's not a pre-workout. It's not a post-workout. It is your electrolytes to handle anything that life's going to throw at you. They worked with us. They created Mountain Tough Lemon Lime. The flavor is phenomenal. And when they did that launch, they launched it with an Odd Ad Hunt giveaway. There's going to be two winners for that hunt, one from the Mountain of Mountain Tough office, one from the Mountain Ops office. So four people are going on that hunt. Two winners are going to go with two staff people, one from each company. One day left to get entered into that. Do not miss out on that. All you have to do to get extra entries is to buy a product on Mountain Ops website, or you need to be a current Mountain Tough subscriber. So if you don't have your free trial going right now, I would do that because this is the final day to be entered in a chance to go odd ad hunting with someone from Mountain Tough and Mountain Ops. Now, shifting gears into today's episode. Today's episode is insane. This is a story you're going to not want to miss. Our guest today is Byron Owen. Byron is a former Force Recon platoon commander from the Marine Corps. He has progressed in his career now, so he's in a different position now. 
but he walks us through his whole career and the mental toughness it took to get him through some difficult times, multiple injuries. He's been shot multiple times, but we spend a lot of time today on the battle of Shiwan. This was an insane story. The stuff they went through, the mental toughness they went, they went through the mindset of some of the young guys on his team this day is some of the most inspiring content I've ever heard. Some of the young Marines that did what they did. This is a story that is going to inspire everyone. This is a story you're going to want to share with your buddies. It is definitely one you're not going to want to miss. So stand by for my conversation with Byron Owen. So you're at the War College now, correct? So presently, I'm a student at the National War College. Uh, it's kind of weird being a student at you know 43, uh, but it's it's a good time uh, learning strategy. Um, Delving into diplomacy, you know, economic stuff that we don't normally get exposed to uh, in the beginning of our careers. We start to transition from being kind of at the tactical level of war to working with the interagency, uh, different aspects of government. Government. Uh, it's been it's been a good time. And where's that war co- college located? So at? I live in Maryland, uh, but I commute down to D.C. to Fort McNair uh, National Defense University. Okay. And how many years have you been active now? Boy, uh, I'm at 21 years, man. Wow. It, it goes by fast. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Just like over. Like I, so I'm right down the street from the Naval Academy where I started. Um, and I just look at these kids and I was like, man, that was me like yesterday <laughs> and maybe a year ago. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it's just gone by quick. Well, let's shift gears back to where it, it did kind of start. I know you've had a wild career and you've been through a lot of wild experiences, but did you, where did you grow up at? So born and raised in uh, San Diego, California. Uh, my dad, he was a Green Beret and he's actually a musician, he's a professional guitarist. Uh, so he would uh, take fault uh, that I introduced him as a former Green Beret because he spent <laughs> a couple years in the army uh, during Vietnam as a Green Beret and then the rest of his career as a musician. Uh, he's a fantastic musician uh, playing guitar. Wild. And uh, he's like, hey, we could go into music together. And that was his dream uh, growing up. And I was more into the, you know, special operations, Green Beret part of his life. Um, so I didn't want to be my dad. And, uh, you know, uh, the big Marine Corps Navy town in San Diego. I wanted to enlist, <clears throat> join up right away. But my mom said that, uh, you know, enlisted people don't make a lot of money, at least from her perspective. Mm-hmm. It's not entirely inaccurate. And so she said, hey, I'm not signing your delayed entry paperwork so that you can enlist under uh, 18 uh, before you show me a rejection slip to the Naval Academy. I told her, I'll get you a rejection slip from the Naval Academy. I'll get you one from Harvard. I'll get your rejection slip. You tell me the school. <laughs> and I'll give it to you. And uh, I didn't get in. And so I went to MEPS is where they process you for uh, enlistment. Mm-hmm. And it turns out I got picked up for the prep school. And uh, I was like, nah, man, I'm good. I'll... Uh, <laughs> I'll go enlist. And then uh, the, yeah, the, the sergeant there, he's like, you're not familiar with the military. Are you, you're going to go where the hell I tell you to go. So <laughs> um, yeah, facts. And so I went to the prep school in Rhode Island, did a year there, four years, at the Naval Academy and commissioned into the Marine Corps um, in 2003. You believe that 20 years ago. <laughs> Wild. And so you, you went in, you came out of the, the Naval Academy at a, at a pretty hot time a few years later is when, really kind of things got wild in the Middle East. That's right. I mean, so it's, it's crazy because I remember uh, distinctly as a student at the academy, junior year, you know, September 2001, 
uh, they pulled us out of class because, you know, the, the, the planes hit the Twin Towers. And I thought to myself, I was like, oh, my God, there's a war. I'm going to miss it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible thing to think about now. But you know, as a young man, you know, I'm, I'm like, this is my career path. I want to do this stuff, support my nation. And then there's a war and uh, I'm not going to get called to serve. Uh, it's kind of you know, young men thoughts. Um, but then uh, as it turns out, the war in Afghanistan and Iraq kept going. And I was able to uh, spend some time in both theaters. Um, but that was uh, you know, very much on our minds. Um, one of my classmates at IOC, uh, infantry officer's course. So I became an infantry officer. I remember he's from uh, um, California as well. Uh, I think he's from Pasadena. And I remember saying, hey, man, I'll, we'll catch you on the after this deployment. <laughs> we'll have a barbecue at my house. And then uh, he died. Uh, he was dead two months later, man. man. Uh, first, uh, J.P. Blacksmith, second lieutenant. Uh, he's the first Marine officer to die in the Battle of Fallujah. And so when you know your uh, your class is very real. I mean, your classmates at, uh, you know, especially the infantry officer's course, Naval Academy. I mean, he's, he's my classmate at the Academy as well. Uh, it was a very, uh, very serious time. I mean, you knew what you're getting into. And uh, at that period, I mean, I, I mean, I did four back-to-back combat deployments. I mean, it was just six months on or seven and six off. It was just a uh, you know, meat grinder. Um, so busy, right, when you came out. Yeah, it was a very different time. Um, I kept going back. I mean, I volunteered mm-hmm. for whatever reason. You know, uh, Marines, uh, muscles uh, required intelligence, not essential. <laughs> what they say that's what they tell me and then uh i don't know uh, kind of a hard thing to explain i guess um but there's a a, a call uh, it's just hard to be back uh when all your friends are are, are over there yeah and you know they're they're fighting it out and you know they're uh, they're dying and so there's a like a fraternal longing you know uh, to go in and to, to to be in those conditions with them it's just, it's really difficult to explain i'm sure some psychologists could uh, describe it yeah um, you want to be with but, your uh, brothers yeah, you feel like you're not doing your part. No matter how much you've done, you, you feel like someone that you know you owe it to them uh, to see it through until it's done. Um, didn't know it'd be 20 years until it was done, but um, so, nevertheless. So, what was your rank when you were over there for those four deployments in a row? Yeah, so started off, I was a rifle platoon commander, second lieutenant. Did a tour to Iraq. Um, did another deployment um, called CAT, not the construction company. Uh, it's a combined anti-armor team. It's a platoon of uh, essentially armored Humvees, and you have uh, missiles, uh, rockets, and machine guns on top. And so the idea being if the uh, infantry, we call straight leg, because they walk, they're walking around, they get into a little bit of a, you know, a situation. Mm-hmm. They can call you, you roll in, uh, you have the 50 caliber machine gun, it's a very large machine gun, uh, very, very heavy round, uh, you know, puts a lot of damage on you know, whatever you're aiming at, and then... Uh, Mark 19 is an automatic machine gun. Uh, that's It's kind of like a, if we asked a five-year-old boy to design a weapon. And he's like, well, I like grenades. <laughs> I love machine guns. And so, you know, and our powers combine, you know, here's Captain Planet, but it's spitting out, you know, 40 Mike Mike's uh, okay. explosives uh, at rapid fire. Insane. Um, I'm not making this up. This is a real weapon. <laughs> and, uh, you know, tow missiles and a whole bunch. And so you could really uh, help a lot of uh, folks out. Uh, in a bad situation. So I was in Baghdad uh, during the surge, during that deployment. I got uh, I got wounded twice, uh, you know, medevaced out of theater. Um, and then I had the opportunity to, you know, go to the School of Infantry, you know, do what we call a B billet. So your A billet being your deploying, you know, action arm kind of uh, tour duties. And then uh, I ended up volunteering to go to Force Recon. And so uh, we had mm-hmm. an organization, um, 
first force recon company. So first is usually West Coast, second, East Coast, third is overseas, Okinawa. Um, so uh, I had screened uh, before I got wounded. And so I'd done all the, there's all these events you have to do. And I passed. And so I went through all my physical therapy, um, you know, all my medical recovery. Um, and they say, hey, you still want to come over, man? And uh, I was actually on a med board uh, for retirement. <laughs> and so I had the opportunity to, you know, get 50% of my pay, be medical for life, get the, uh, you know, the gold satin jacket, <laughs> yep. go to the VFW veteran foreign wars and have some free beers. <laughs> and I said, I would rather not get that money and uh, instead go back to, uh, well, I went to Afghanistan. Okay. I have a boneheaded uh, uh, decision. <laughs> and so they're like, well, if you're going to Afghanistan, you're obviously cleared. Yeah. And so um, I was a captain at the time, still a platoon commander. So platoon commander, platoon's like 30 people. So for an officer, that's usually your smallest uh, formation that you command. Um, usually uh, anything below that's enlisted. So a squad of 12 is like a sergeant or a corporal. Uh, team is a lance corporal, and that's like four, uh, three or four people. And uh, the way it normally worked at, uh, you know, recon or force recon, which is the, kind of the precursor of Marine Special Operations. I mean, it is, the, it was the precursor of uh, Marine Special Operations. Yeah. They wanted you to uh, get experience, um, you know, prove yourself uh, in, in kind of a similar platoon. And say, so, hey, you led 30 people and now you're going to do it again. But you're a little bit older, more experienced. You have more experienced people who kind of more demand uh, de or more demanding of like leadership, expectations, standards, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Obviously, higher physical standards. And there's a, a really extensive uh, pipeline that you have to pass through in order to, to get into that uh, organization um, called the Basic Recon Course. Um, we don't have fancy names like the other services. Um, <laughs> and this was I mean, like, like 2008. They're just dropping people like flies. They're just they'll just keep putting pressure until people quit. And what you're trying to produce is a, a dynamic thinker who's never going to quit. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, when you have your back to the wall and you're not going to quit, you're going to start looking for, you know, hey, what do I have available? You know, how can I solve whatever the problem is in front of me? And then literally not give up until you're dead. And if, and if you're dead, you don't know it. So you just keep, keep doing something. And so there's a, it's kind of a unique, uh, I mean, a unique within the Marine Corps, you know, special operations. I think they, they, they kind of breed this kind of individual, mm -hmm. but kind of a creative problem solver, you know, that's uh, in, in, infused with toughness um, and a lot of grit and uh, very, very successful. Not only in the military, I think in life in general, for but sure. This, uh, this kind of institution uh, breeds that into you. Um, and probably that, not the right word. But, uh, and this was around 2008, 2007. So this was 2006, seven. Okay. This is, well, I was just going through the pipeline. And so, I mean, it's a eight, nine months, maybe longer pipeline. Uh, so, so normally they like to at least get, at least get you through, but you have to go through the basic recon course. There's a prep course that's equally, uh, challenging. Um, there is a study. I don't know if you, we talked about this before. Um, but I, I really wish I remember who did the study because I could cite them like a professional student that I am. <laughs> don't, don't tell my uh, professors, but they went to uh, survival school, which we call SEER. And they did a cortisol test of the students. And so they test the cortisol of a crew chief through the roof. I mean, I mean, they're, 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 they're beating on you. They're doing all sorts of nonsense. I mean, it's, it's a pretty intense course, right? I mean, yeah. Then they went to a army ranger and they did a cortisol test. It was still elevated. I mean, it's not like a walk in the park for this guy, but he, wasn't as bad as the crew chief. So then, you know, the question is, is the ranger just tougher? 
or is there something else at play? And so then they're like, well, let, let's, let's find a, you know, young kid going to ranger school. So they tested some guys going to ranger school, of course, all levels through the roof. Then they take that same individual and they go to Sears school and they're like, Hey, I think I'm onto something. I think that you can inoculate somebody against stress, against PTSD by exposing them over and over to different stressors, mm-hmm. whether it's jumping out of an airplane, you know, whether it's Sears school, and then you're like, you know, I wasn't that bad. I survived that. You know, hey, uh, like I'm afraid of heights, which is it's a weird thing for a guy who jumps out of airplanes. <laughs> but you know, so you jump off the 10 meter tower at the at the at the dive tank, right? When you when you go into basic entry level training, you're like, hey, wow, I did that. That was a thing that I was terrified of, and I did it. So what's what's the next challenge, right? Is it jumping out of an airplane? Man, I really don't want to do that. Or maybe it's a, a rope high rope high rope training. I'm gonna rappel. I'm gonna fast rope. That's fast. Hey, I did. It. I survived. You know? Yeah, you're just conquering those fears. And uh, I think that's what the, the military tries to do, particularly with some of these special operations uh, programs. You know, hey, I'm handling explosives, um, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just takes time to do that. And so you look at a lot of these pipelines, six months to two years long uh, to generate the kind of product, human product that they want uh, to send on the battlefield, be successful. These are small teams. And what was your mindset you know? going into that pipeline? Did, did, were you going in feeling confident? Were you struggling? Was it tough for you? How'd you get through? So I, I think I went in for all the wrong reasons, right? Because so you're attracted to this because you don't know it's cool. Um, I don't, I don't know if I, oh yeah, yeah, I got, you got the, I don't know if you can see that. Yep. That's the, that's the, you get badges, right? And so you get the dive badge <laughs> and then the jump wings. That's cool looking. You know, uh, recon Marines wear black uh, PT gear. They're also be, cool. You know, the only Marines you get to have black on black PT gear. You know, Marsoc does the same thing now. That's cool, right? The rest of the Marines wear green. I get to wear black. I, I'm cool. <laughs> so I think, you know, as a young man, I, you know, that's what I'm looking at when I'm at the Naval Academy. I, you know, everyone wants to be special. Yep. Everybody wants to be cool. Um, but I, I'll tell you that that's not going to get you through. So that's going to get you to the door, but you got to find another reason to be there. And I think that there's a lot of self-discovery. I think there was an aspect of, you know, hey, I'm not going to quit. And that's everybody. They're like, this, this is going to be, a, you know, walk through the park. And then you get in it. And then you start to see what you're really about. And so for me, that was the most valuable part of the experience mm-hmm. was proving something to myself uh, that I didn't even know that I needed to prove um, and less to the institution uh, and certainly to your teammates. I mean, that's a big aspect. You, you got to make sure that you're not going to let them down. And that was a very uh, powerful driver. You know, you want to slow them up because if you're not going to, you know, if you can't carry that weight inside your ruck, it's going to somebody else's. Yeah. It's going to make you feel like trash. Was it trash? It's just quit. Just leave. <clears throat> drop your dead weight if you're not going to carry the load for everybody else and there's going to be a time where you'd be called upon because we all get weak at some point yeah you know everyone has their bad day you know maybe you, you, you sprained something or you had a cramp and like, hey let me take some weight off your back but the, 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 you know yep. one way street we yep. rely on each other um and you form these tight uh friendships uh that's, that's very hard to describe these, these bonds of these individuals i mean i went through a uh, basic recon course a lot of the marines ended up in my platoon wow and you're all equally trash yeah you're equally nobody just because you're an officer or you're a sergeant. Nobody cares. What, what was the hardest moment for you in the pipeline? Gosh. Uh, so I actually sprained my, I actually had a bulging fracture in my ankle a uh, third of the way in. Um, so uh, it was all the finning. And so we do a lot of uh, aquatic events. It's, it's amphibious reconnaissance. And so you have to do swimming. So we're down at Coronado at the uh, Naval Special Warfare Facility and uh, the fitting with just all the stress on my ankle uh, with that avulsion fracture. I mean, I was, I was like fighting Brutal. back tears. Brutal. But yeah, it's the last phase of the training. 
And so as an officer, there's no guarantee you get rolled back. You get to continue. A lot of officers are like, hey, man, you don't have the time. You got to go. Hey, appreciate you being here. Uh, this isn't for you. Mm-hmm. And so I would just wrap it every morning. And I was like, man, I just hope I get to tonight. And uh, that was that was difficult. I uh, bet. I, I was real tough. Yeah, that sounds brutal. But not good for your body long term. So, you know, 20 years later, however many, 14, I was like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Right, better ankle mobility. <laughs> or less. I don't have a more or less than I should. Right. And it's not the right amount. <clears throat> paying for it now. Yeah, paying for it and a lot of things, as, as is with life. But uh, it was a good experience. You know, I'm, I'm really glad I had the opportunity to go. So you get out and you hit the ground running in Afghanistan? Yeah, so that's what's funny. And so we, so when I left BRC, I had one of the last two Force Recon platoons uh, in the Marine Corps. And so this was right at the time of the MARSOC transition. We, and so what I mean by that, and I'm sorry, I kind of skipped ahead. The Marine Corps, actually the Secretary of Defense said, hey, Marine Corps, you're going into SOCOM. And you're going to establish three battalions eventually, at the time two, of Marine Special Operators. And you're essentially going to convert your force recon companies into these uh, special operations uh, battalions. And so we sacrificed force recon in order to build MARSOC. And um, we had two platoons that were kind of in the wind, right? And so mine was on float. I was at BRC. Um, and then General Mattis, I remember when everyone was Mattis. Yeah. He did not agree with the plan. And so he kind of did a shell game with these two platoons from First Force. And he stashed us over a First Recon Battalion. And he stood up uh, like the deep recon company, I think Delta Company is what they called it. Hmm. And so we were not on a rotation to Iraq or Afghanistan. So it's kind of weird. You got these, you know, uh, highly trained Marines who are just itching to go back to, you know, uh, to war. Yep. Um, they're just kind of homeless, kind of missionless. And so it was just, um, I don't know, it's kind of demoralizing. I mean, so they were professionals. Yeah. So, you know, we continue to train. <clears throat> um, but it's, it's easier when you got a goal in sight. Like, I'm, I'm going to go do this thing, whether it's uh, I'm going to go on the ship, I'm going to go to this exercise. Um, I mean, it was cool. We did. We went to Norway. Uh, we, we were hiking around in sub 40 degree temperatures for a while, doing you know some exercise with the Norwegian soft. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we, we we're going to go to Malaysia. Uh, do a, it was a, I would call it JSET uh, training you do with the, you know, the, the host nation uh, special operations forces. And I'll never forget this. It was uh, like one in the morning and I get a call uh, and this, you know, I, I'm groggy. I'm like, hey, who's this? <laughs> and I, hey, it's Colonel Smith from the MEF. The, the MEF is a three-star command. So I'm here. I'm, I'm below the screen. You can't even see me. Little <laughs> captain. This guy is a colonel who works for the generals again off the screen, but above it. Uh, so he's the highest ranking general on the West Coast. Wild. And he says, hey, Byron, they just activated the ACF, which is the Air Contingency Force. It's kind of like the nine one one, you know, break glass. No one ever does it. Um, you're deploying Afghanistan on Friday. Hey, this is a Monday. Jeez. And so uh, this, this is going to sound unprofessional. I was like, man, quit fucking around. Sorry, <laughs> am I allowed to crash and curse? You can take the care of that and post it. And I was like, I thought I was my buddy. I, th- I thought I was the other platoon commander. I was like, hey, Ian, it's one in the morning, man. But, you know, quit messing around. And this guy's like, are you drunk? Hey, this is Colonel Smith. This is the chief of staff of IMF. You better get your ass into gear. Be ready to report to the CGF as you five. And I was like, oh, no, I, that was a mistake. I'm, yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I'm like at attention at home. That's, in, sense. that's like, insane. I was, yeah, I thought you were my buddy. <laughs> I was, I'm, not, I'm not drunk. I'm dead sober. <laughs> I was just asleep. Right? And, One uh, in the morning. Five in the morning. There I am with the CG. And he's like, we just lost seven Marines in the last 96 hours. Seven Marines, one battalion in mm. Afghanistan. 
he's like, he's like, I got, a, I got, a, I got planes coming on Wednesday. This is the next day. So this is, uh, I, sh- I check in Tuesday, this meeting. He's like, tomorrow, uh, quad cons are going to get loaded out. They're going to go on planes and they're going to go to Afghanistan Friday. You're going to Afghanistan. And he's like, you're, you're making pay for what they did to my boys. And I was like, Hey, Roger that, sir. Um, and then uh, I'll, I'll never forget this. Uh, nothing to do with toughness, but that was cool. Uh, he's just like, I want to have breakfast with these Marines before they go to war. Cause I know what I'm sending them into. That's and, uh, awesome. The, 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 the S4 is the guy who handles logistics. He's just like, yeah, sure. Yeah, we can go to the chow hall, which is like the dining facility for us. Calling it a dining facility is, is churching up what it is. <laughs> and he's like, no, we're going to do it here in this room where they brief me, where warriors meet. And the, the S4 is just like, yeah, I don't know if we could do that, sir. He looks at him. It's like, you better goddamn find a way to do it, Bob, or I'll find someone who can. And I was like, holy shit, this guy's serious. That's badass. Like, Blonder, my platoon sergeant, he's just like, what do you like for breakfast? He's like, steak and eggs, sir. And like, steak and eggs, Bob. Steak and eggs. And so I don't know if this guy went to the whole country buffet or what, or, you know, you might have steak and eggs the next day. That is legendary. Like the dining facility, yeah. Legend. I was like, yeah, screw that guy. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm a captain. You don't say no to that guy. You're a colonel. Like, yeah. Paying attention. Legendary. Yeah, get some, gain some perspective. So did you but, get uh, steak and eggs? Yeah, we still got our steak and eggs. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they came from the chow hall, but uh, we probably had a Bob's kitchen where I was cooking away. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man. So uh, <clears throat> Friday, we're on planes. And then Saturday, um, we do... Uh, called rso and i it doesn't matter but it's where you, you kind of process uh get your ammunition you get your loadout yep. and a couple of days after that weren't gunfights i mean i've never seen anything like it right away just uh right away uh terrible conditions so this battalion is just spread across afghanistan um and so everywhere you know maybe like two years later or we'd have a full battalion which is you know uh, 800 marines maybe a thousand he had like 30 30 dudes and so when you have, when I say 30, you really have about 15 to 20 because you got to sleep, you got to stay on guard duty. And so these poor kids are going out one squad at a time and just uh, going up against horrific conditions, uh, heavily outnumbered. Uh, I mean, and doing a great job. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I had a buddy of mine in Ghoulistan told me he had to take the machine guns, uh, that's that stick the machine gun down, uh, off of his Humvees because they couldn't depress them. Because the Taliban were getting so close to their vehicles, they had to take them off so they could get the get the shots off. Wow, they were so close! Are you you in the... So when you have reports of like grenades run out of grenades, like you're like, this is like Vietnam, man. Just yeah. terrible. Just hot and heavy. Yeah. Were you so, in the Were you in the mountains? Were you going up into the mountains each day? So uh, yes and no. And so Afghanistan is a very you know geographically diverse, and so the northern part of Helmand um, is mountainous. And so you get towards, uh, you know, um, the, the south, just flat desert. Uh, we call it like moon dust. It's really fine, like uh, particle dust that just kind of gets in everywhere. Hmm. Um, and then you get towards the rivers, uh, it gets very green. And so you even have trees, it's just kind of wild uh, for me. Um, but so um, the idea was is that we would go to uh, what they call high-value individuals, HVIs. And, he's, you know, the, the battalion commander would send us out. Um, to whatever area needed, uh, you know, some some extra attention, and then we would try to you know locate that person using whatever means necessary, and then um, you know, take care of the problem. And backing up for one second, at this point now, you've already you've already been injured twice in combat and are past right. that. 
Yeah, I wouldn't say pass it, but uh, you know, seasoned. Yep. And then you're you're about to walk into a massive battle, correct? Yeah, that's right. And so we, uh, I was actually in the um, in our headquarters, and uh, I, I forget what I was doing. You know, whatever. By checking in, you know, hey, do, do you need anything from us? You know, before we. Think we're going to go to a rifle range or you know maybe a test fire weapons <clears throat> or a battlefield zero where you kind of adjust this the, the aim of your weapons and you can tune the laser so that they are all, or where they need to be mm-hmm. and uh i don't i don't want to take too long telling the story but we essentially heard a platoon in combat um just having a hard time and so they have these they call them squawk boxes mm-hmm. and so it's a box it's a it's a speaker is what it is and it kind of has it kind of has a little squawk sound to it and so um, you know, this Marine calls in and he's like, Hey, this is Lance Corporal Smith. I wish I remember his name was. And he says, uh, he's like, Hey, we are under heavy attack. He's just like, I need immediate, um, close air support. I need immediate medevac. We have casualties everywhere. And I need uh, reinforcement. I need it now. And, um, there's a, <laughs> whatever reason, uh, if they don't think it's a busy time, they always put the, uh, the nuclear biological chemical officer in charge of like the, the man post. <laughs> so like, you know, of course, when there's emergencies happening, like all the, all the important people are at the uh, green beans coffee. This is before... <laughs> and so you know, they got to go get a runner to go, uh, you know, find the boss at the green beans. And, uh, this poor kid, you know, this young warrant officer is just like, you know, Hey, pay me a picture. Um, you know, put your squad leader on the radio. And he's just like, I don't know where that guy's at. And he's like, where's your platoon commander? He's like, I don't know, man. It's like, where's your platoon sir? He's like, I think he's over. He's, I think he's shot. And he's just like, you know, who's the, who's the senior man of the battlefield right now? And this Lance Corporal's like, I don't know, man. For all I know, it's me. It's all I can tell battle. him, I'm on the radio talking to you. So now that we got that out of the way, close air support, medevac, reinforcement. Dang. And now battalion commander's back. And he's like, I can't do anything for you, kid. And it's just crushing. Oh. Crushing. Yeah. Ah, right, right here in my heart, man. Oh. And then I was so proud because I look back, there's my entire platoon geared up, ready to go, doing pre-combat checks, feeling like, hey, we're ready to roll, sir. And um Italian commander looks at me, he's like, I have no ability to fly you there. It's gonna take you eight hours to drive. And it just kind of hit me like the scope of this battlefield. I'm like, eight hours, eight full speed. Hours. Like, yeah, man. Eight hours. He's like, This is gonna be done in eight hours. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, he's like, this is going to be done in two hours. He's like, we are helpless here without air assets. He's like, I can't, I can't do anything. And this, uh, this young kid's just like, I don't know if that's, that's going to work, sir, but I'll do my best. And he hangs up and that's it. Dang. Uh, yeah. And, uh, how many guys were me, pinned like, down? Uh, probably 20, hmm. 20 something, maybe 30. Um, yeah, just, a, uh, Incredible heroism. They had a kid, uh, Brady Gustafson, uh, deserves a Medal of Honor for what he did. I got the Navy Cross. Uh, Taliban, um, they sank three RPGs into a, uh, we call it tight beaten zone. So like in the same area, uh, you know, uh, that penetrated, the, we have a, called it uh, MRAP. It's a, it's a large armored vehicle. And so the uh, repeated blows from the RPGs created a hole in the, the side of the armor so that the next one could come in Hits him in the leg, detonates, uh, you know, amputates his leg. I mean, he's obviously dying. And, you know, Bermora bleeds, it bleeds very quickly. Hmm. And you know what he does? He cranks, because uh, the, the turret rotates on a crank. 
uh, rotates his turret into these Taliban are surging towards him, and he dumps four cans of fifty cal um, in, into this uh, into this formation. Just Holy obliterates smokes. these guys. Yeah, as his I legs. didn't say he put a tourniquet on. I didn't say that. Yeah, he makes no attempt to save his own life. His only thought, young Lance Corporal, you know, nineteen years old, is that with my final action, I'm gonna take care of these dudes who are threatening the lives of my teammates. Man, and, uh, I know. Amazing. For that, he gets a Navy Cross. I thought I should have Medal of Honor. Um, one of the uh, is actually a, a local national uh, translator. Put a tourniquet on this kid's the only reason he's alive. Jeez, uh, that kid was ready to die, and so you know several uh, you know heroic events like that. So that's why they made it because uh, hmm. you know, the Marines, as they always do, went above and beyond uh, to make sure that they got the job done against all odds. But you you can tell these you know these Marines are they can use whatever help they could get, mm-hmm. and so throwing thirty more Marines into that area that you know is is, is making it work with about the same number is going to have a significant effect on the battlefield. And so the boss is like, Hey man, you guys got to go to the ball blue district and uh, help me sort out my Shawan problem. That's what we did. Hmm. Um, yeah, we drove up. Uh, we have, uh, we have some Intel assets with us, you know, some uh, specialists that kind of devise a plan to go in there um, and kind of shake things up a little bit. And so did you guys end up going for the drive? Because you still don't have air assets, so you just hopped in and drove out. Yeah, so we just drove in, um, and so there's a something called tactical patience. And so, hey, let's reset. You know, we want to just roll in there and start, you know, swinging the sword around, lopping off heads. But let's get a lay of the land, come up with a deliberate plan, um, and then go and execute that plan. You know, we say, uh, you know, plan your dive, dive your plan. We don't want to do this haphazardly. I mean, these, these dudes. I mean, if you can fire. Three different people can fire at the same spot on a vehicle uh, in succession. That's a very well-trained force. These, these are not clowns. Yep. And so you don't want to disrespect them because uh, you might uh, you know, pay the price. Yep. Um, so we, we came in there, you know, kind of talked to the Marines, try to figure out just the patrolling, some a uh, couple little encounters you know, with the Taliban. You know, I, I think, honestly, try to feel us out as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly, uh, one of the things that came out of this was they were very attuned to the fact that our special forces or special operations forces all had beards. Hmm. So Taliban is like, Hey, it's got a beard. I'd be careful. Crazy. You know, um, yeah. So we're Marines. Uh, so the, <clears throat> and the Marine special operations guys, they, they were, they weren't shaving, but you know, we were shaving. Yeah. So I was like, you know, don't piss off. We have a, like the first Sergeant, Sergeant major mafia is more like the, <laughs> you know, mind your P's and Q's folks. And I was like, don't, don't piss them off. Like, you know, it's fine. Shave your face. I know you don't want to, Shave your face, cut your hair, yep. buy us some sympathy and some credibility. Uh, and so inadvertently, it kind of camouflages because they're looking at us. It's like, hey, this is, you know, the same kind of Marines. And, you know, Marines are Marine, uh, but we had 13 snipers. So 13 school trained snipers in our platoon of 30 um, versus a, you know, company that had none. Wild. And so, yeah, that, that, that sort of changed dynamics. But yeah. you know, they, they don't know that. Or, you know, uh, we have a significant seniority. You know, you have a uh, gunny team leaders. And so gunny, you know, with like 12 years in mm-hmm. versus a young kid with two or three, it's just going to be a different dynamic. Yeah. You know, then... uh, like Tommy Hartrick, he's my second team leader. Tommy was a Nazaria, Fallujah, Ramadi, Rupa veteran before he goes to battle. Holy smokes. Yeah. yeah. That I mean, experience. These guys are pros and he's leading a team of six people. Wild. Just the combat experience, you know, and he wasn't the only one. I mean, it's pretty much the pedigree of most of those, uh, you know, most of those folks. I was on my third combat deployment, and so you're not uh, you're not learning as much as executing what you've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, pretty cool. 
How many bad how many bad guys are you going up against in that setting? So that's what's tough, right? Because you don't know. And so this kind of came out of the uh, the words we wrote at the end is that Intel's all over the map because um, it generate a lot off of what people see or believe. Just like, you know, you get in a firefight and someone says, hey, I just got shot at by a 50 cal. And I'm like, well, that's a very heavy round. Are you sure it wasn't an AK? Because, you know, the first time you shot it, you're like, I, I, that must have been a goddamn rocket launcher. You're like, no, no, someone <laughs> fired a pistol. Is that, your, is that the first time you heard a pistol? You know? Or whatever. No, I don't want to be too flippant. So, you know, so, you know, five guys turns into 500, you know. Uh, it's Sure. And I, I'd also argue, you know, you get in a firefight, you have 200 people shoot at you versus 50 versus 500. Who the hell knows? And so you're kind of going into this in the blind. You're like, I, you don't know how many it was. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, there's reports that they're up to 500, up to 1,000 in this area, you know, where they all present. Are they all going to show up? Who you have knows? no idea. Who knows? But you always plan for the worst. And you're like, hey, you know, let, let's say everybody and their mother and brother shows up uh, and then we got to do this. You know, how are we going to go in here uh, deliberately? in order to kind of make that, and it's kind of intimidating too, right? Particularly, you know, you've seen, um, so Shawan is uh, maybe like eight kilometers wide, two, three uh, from north to south. Hmm. That's it. 10% or more of our Navy crosses that the Marine Corps has issued since the Vietnam War came out of Shawan in 2008, inside of three months. That is not. I want to say that we've uh, we're at something like a thirty something Navy crosses. So it's just three a... separate incidents, three Navy crosses, uh, June two thousand eight, July two thousand eight, August two thousand eight. So it's just a major stronghold hot zone. Yeah, these, and you see, so we had Marsoc went in there, got a Navy cross. Gustafsson got the Navy cross, should have been a Medal of Honor, and then my platoon sergeant got a Navy cross in uh, in August. Hmm. Just uh, just brutal. Um, but um wild so what what happened that day you went in so there was a it's called district center which is like the like mayor's office i guess you'd call it so this is like little hub of the government and then uh the province is where they had you know all the you know all the cash that they'd pay you know the police officers or the army with and so that they would have these convoys of supplies coming from the district center at babaluk to the provincial center in farah and it was a paved road, which in Afghanistan, not a lot of paved roads. Um, so this ran right through Shawan. So Shawan was a critical um, sticking point in a, what we call, you know, a line of communication between these two elements of the government. And uh, every time someone tried to force it through there, it, it was just it was just trouble. So one thing that I'd learned in Iraq was, you know, um, I don't know if you ever like read anything like by Bruce Lee or, you know, some of these Eastern philosophers, they always talk about like triple setting. Mm-hmm. You know, do something twice and then act like you're going to do that the third time and then change, you know, your change form of up. attack. And so you're kind of setting somebody up to, you know, to be surprised. Hmm. So idea is, is like, hey, every time we've done this, we've gone down the road and then they come from north to south and then try to do whatever they're going to do, you know, ambush these folks, whatever. So let's make them think we're doing it again. Here come those dumb Americans coming from north to, or, you know, from east to west down the road, you know, pull out old playbook and then execute. <clears throat> but meanwhile, we're gonna mix it up because we have now two platoons in the area. So the, uh, the Marines from uh, Gulf 2-7 are gonna come down this road with the Afghan police. And then we're gonna hug the, uh, there's these like, uh, some sort of orchards. There's a wooded area and there's a river behind Shawan. And so we were gonna take our vehicles and kind of trace the populated area to the north, uh, 
everybody out of the vehicles minus the driver and the guy in the machine gun. And then the, the Marines are going to be on foot moving through the woods. So this, this is a, a new tactic that they mm-hmm. wouldn't have seen. And then we would uh, move in a echelon wedge. And so the idea is that if they come and hit one element, you're already rolling up the side and you're trying to change things up. And then we say this, uh, this causes a lot of momentum. Yep. And so you start to build that momentum. You start to steamroll. And so, you know, whether this is sports or combat, it's all the same stuff. It's human psychology. Mm-hmm. You start to feel like you're off foot, you're off balance, and you can continue to push and push and push until, you know, uh, you, you secure whatever objective that you need to do. Um, whether it's a first down uh, in our, or our case, you know, something different. To win. That's right. Win for America uh, and for the Afghans. So that's what we did. Um, you know, roll through, uh, heard, heard a lot of chatter. And I remember, so we're rolling through kind of bounding through this town. And what I mean by bounding is that you set, you know, get in position so you're ready to fire and you move another element they're set. And, uh, you know, when I was, uh, when I was a young kid, I thought I'd get to, you know, force recon. They have all these secret techniques, right? These secret advanced techniques. <laughs> and it turns out they're, you know, like NFL football is just like high school football. They just do it better. They do the basics. The fundamentals better than anybody else. They practice. They do it harder. They do it longer. They don't give up. Everybody's at their spot when they need to be because, you know, seconds matter. Inches matter. Mm-hmm. Everything has to be executed as closely perfection as possible because once, you know, the shit hits the fan, um, you're going to want to be in a position of advantage that you got as much dialed in as possible so you can kind of handle those intangibles um, and then kind of seize opportunities. You see it. The fundamentals. And so uh, that's right. And so it's, you know, it's teamwork and, uh, no, you know, you start to drill just like football or anything else. And so, you know, where your friends are at, you get that, you know, intrinsic communication. Um, that's what all the training builds up to. That's why, you know, you have the, the long workups, you know, for these, uh, these kind of advanced uh, elements. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're moving through and, uh, I was, my, my baggage, everyone's got baggage. My, my baggage is, so I was a capital commander, so vehicles. And I can't tell you how many times. I saw a Marine almost get shot in the face by a 50 cal because, you know, they're run out of a, of, a, of a building and they haven't let anybody know that, hey, I'm moving. And then, you know, the, the gunner sees movement, twirls their gun around and, you know, almost sends a burst down range or, 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 or lets a burst go down range and almost hits this kid. Oh. Yeah. Can you imagine you oh. know, shooting one of your buddies in the face? And oh. so I was real tight. I was like, hey, people in that building moving across, you know, hold, move across and just really, really, really tight uh, with the discipline. So I have two sergeant, he's looking at me, you know, hey, we're clear to move. And this is Lost you for a second, Byron. I think I got you back now. Yeah, sorry I had a call. Oh, no problem. Yeah, we got you. Yeah, so we're just very tight. You know, so, hey, if we got shot at right now, how are we best situated? And so, you know, we know everybody's out. We're moving. You're know, moving the pieces in together. And uh, this RPG, it's a rocket-propelled grenade, goes flying over my shoulder, right in between me and my buddy. And I look, you got that look. And I, I actually went to Iraq with him before. And I was like, yeah, it, all right, let's go. And so uh, I hit the, hit the deck and um, started looking for, you know, who, you know, who did this. Mm-hmm. And it was two RPG gunners. They'd fire two RPGs at our vehicles and then two uh, PK machine gunners. It was kind of a medium machine gun. And so the machine gunners are trying to get us to go down so these guys can get their shots off because they got to you know, stand up or at least take a knee to do it. And I'll never forget this. I'm not making this up. Uh, Blonder um, calls out what we call an ad rack. No one does it. It's uh, like alert, 
distance, direction. Uh, they teach it to you at the School of Infantry. Mm-hmm. We go three Ds, distance, description, uh, direction, you know. You know, hey, there's an enemy guy at 12 o'clock from, uh, you know, from Byron at 200 yards. You're like, that's all the information I need. There he is, right? Yeah. He does the whole doctrinal, because that's how he was, by the books. <laughs> and uh, he's still standing, right? So everybody else is taking cover. And he rings the towel. Fires a single shot. This guy smokes him. Like 120 yards. 120 <laughs> yards from the standing. And he looks down at me and he's like, hey, sir, we're under fire. And I was like, yeah, I, I got that. <laughs> it made me look like such a bitch. You know, like I'm doing what I was supposed to do. Yeah. I'm not, you know, Captain America and the Avengers. I can just stand here shooting people, on, you know, under fire, under machine gun fire, all calm and collected. Take three seconds to take a shot. Hit a guy in the face. That's not me. I know my limitations. Crazy. Uh, but, but apparently... That's you, yeah. And so Dash Two, uh, you know, the second guy is like, you know, <laughs> got his friend's war paint all over his face, and it's just like, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know what this guy's got, but I don't want any of it, right? Yeah, I don't want any of this smoke. And so he doesn't even fire his second volley because he's just completely shook. And so it just, you could feel the change on the battlefield because that was not what they expected. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this guy's not even on the ground; he takes a knee and he's directing movement. <clears throat> and then guess what? That other element. Goes, rolls these dudes up, ends up, it was like six, eight guys, and they're completely surprised. Just completely rolls these dudes over, and they're gone. They're done. Amazing. And, um, now in Iraq, that would have been it. And we're like, well, that wasn't that bad. I guess we're done here. But you're still going to go through methodically, go through this village, you know, the same way that we planned, uh, tightly executed, um, as if, you know, there's there's further contact to happen, which, you know, is, is what went to happen. So uh turns out, this was a delaying action. So uh, we had these Taliban leadership in the town, different, different uh, tribes, different groups who were meeting, it turns out, uh, 20 of them. And they were not prepared for a fight. So they're like, hey, we got these clowns coming in from a direction that we didn't know. So let's, we got to do some adjustments. So, you know, send out, you know, uh, Mohammed or Ahmed or whoever. He's going to go out there with his, you know, squad of dudes and then delay these clowns. Hmm. So, so just engage, slow them down, buy us time to set our ambushes up. Um, Man. I mean, it's, it's a pretty good tactic. That's yeah. A pretty good idea. Yep. And so it just happened faster than they had anticipated. So, you know, we keep moving uh, to the west, and there was a, um, like, a berm. So, so these are, f- like, farmer fields and then irrigation canals, you know, all, all over the place. And so the berm was high enough that we couldn't drive over it. It's because of its heightened steepness because mm-hmm. it would, uh, we call high center the vehicle. Yep. And so it's like, Hey, the vehicle's got to leave. The vehicle's got to go South, you know, however many hundred yards, you know, maybe 120 yards to get around this berm and they're going to get back. Hey, Roger that. So we, you know, we'll hold in place, you know, you move because you don't, you know, we don't want to go over the berm on foot without the cover of those machine guns. Right. So, you know, the Marines are, uh, you know, walking, um, <clears throat> take a knee, and then uh, I don't know if it was Blonder or, or uh, Hartrick. They saw a kid moving. So Ahmed's late to the party. You know, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I had the daycare. I dropped my kid off. <laughs> and so he's not in the in the trench. He's not ready. Oh, my know? gosh. The freaking, yeah, a minute, a minute late and a dollar short. <laughs> and so Hartrick's like, bye, asshole. You know, freaking smokes that dude. Uh, Crazy. He goes out. And he's like, he had a, he had a throat mic uh, that we told him he wasn't allowed to have, but he would keep using it. Mm-hmm. And so it would activate off vibration. So every time he talked, it would activate. And so every uh, thought that would come out of his head, he's actually from Montana. 
uh, I had to hear it. And I was like, I don't want to hear all your dumb thoughts that you verbalize for some reason because we're doing other things that not all 30 of us need to hear about, right? You just uh, activate Like it. South Park musings. That I'm like, oh, shut up. Like, inside thoughts. Because, you know, normally you can key the handsets. If you say something stupid, you just say it to yourself, yep. maybe to your buddy, and then not everybody hears it. But you're getting all of he it. He made some sort of snarky remark, and then they hit him. And so it was like 50 guys in this ambush. And so he shoots one you know, shot and then now he's getting fire from 50 dudes. And I just hear him dropping F-bombs um, as he hits the ground. Mm. And I, like I said, this guy's a Nas Riavet, Fallujah, Ramadi, Rupa. Um, and if he's feeling the stress, you could hear it. You hear the stress in his voice. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, this, is a, this is a situation. Because he's like, hey, I'm assault through. And he's like, I, I can't, man. He's like, this is heavy. He's as heavy and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm exposed. And so we came in, drove the vehicles in. Um, we tried to get what they call a 90-degree offset. And so then you, know, you have your, uh, your downed element. And so I'm 90 degrees off so that if they assault through, it has the best geometry of attack. Mm-hmm. And it was a mistake. Um, it was a trap. And so I think looking back, what they'd done is set up conditions for us to bring our vehicles in close to this tree line because I'm fixated on these guys who are attacking my friends. Like we all are. Man. So now we're, you know, several hundred yards from the contact, but only 50 yards or so from the tree line. Because we got, you know, yep. we got blinders on. We're focused at this. Yep. And so where do you think that next attack comes from? Uh, the trees. Right to our flanks. Oh. Yeah, man, right from that tree line. And so now it's, it's very apparent there's this, like, 700-meter-long kill zone that we're in uh, with hundreds of fighters. On both and this sides. This is not a small engagement. These, these clowns are everywhere. And... Um, they uh, do the same tactic they did on that other, other group. And so they lobbied uh, or lobbed uh, multiple RPGs um, on the vehicle, uh, hit the, the turret with machine gun fire to kind of get the, the, the gunner to go down across suppression. Hmm. And the, uh, the, the hood of the Humvees are made out of fiberglass. Fiberglass burns hot. Fiberglass is burning hot, catches aluminum on fire. Now your vehicle's on fire. Now you got to get out. Oh. Perfect way to defeat armor. Yeah. So, you know, you're just breaking it down by its components. And so now we're walking into this situation being like, hey, we were doing good, man. We smoke checked that squad. Now things are backsliding. Right. Yep. I got I got I got two teams pinned down. I got I got Marines, you know, calling on the radio being like, hey, man, I need some I could use some support. Now you got vehicles are on fire. Marines are coming out. They're getting shot up. Um, it's just, you know, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And you're just like, well, this is not expected. This is completely different than what we'd experience in Iraq. These are completely different tactics, completely different approaches. Yeah. And then your, your, your toolkit, you're reaching into it, right? And you're like, no, no, I don't need a screwdriver. I need a hammer. What, you know, where, 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 what are, you know, pliers. Like, what, you know, what am I doing here? And uh, so we went in. I told my driver, I was like, let's go. And he's like, why? I was like, just go. And then, uh, you know, we went in and then um, they hit our vehicle. And I'll tell you, man, so I got, I got hit by a, a fuel gas explosive in Iraq in 2006. There's a propane tank uh, attached to a tank round, and when the, the tank round detonates, it uh, ignites the propane cloud, and so it just completely enveloped in flame. Terrifying. Oh. Uh, you know, so fortunately, uh, the, the, the reflexive pressure of the blast put out the flames almost instantaneously, but I mean, that was, that's something that I'll always remember, and I went from uh, being a non-smoker to a pack-a-day man uh, inside of like a split second. Holy cow. You know, it completely burned the inside of my lungs. And so when the vehicle's on fire, I mean, that's, that's where you go mentally, right? And you're like, no, not again. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that put me out of the fight for almost a year. And so just all this stuff, the time slows down. And so, you know, you're just kind of stuck, right? 
And I think that uh, you get to that position where, you know, uh, you just want to give up. Yep. You just want to roll over and, and this is this is going to happen, right? Because your vehicle's you on fire at this point, right? Your vehicle's on fire. Uh, I, I was, it was, it was, ours was not on fire. Uh, the for whatever reason, the, the the fiberglass didn't catch. You know, we've we've taken we've absorbed these RPG hits. People are showing up everywhere, and you just don't see a way out of this. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, one problem at a time, right? And so it's like, hey, let's get out of the vehicle. You know, like let, let, let me get out of my seat. Get on the radio. Give me air support. Um, let's let's get some of these ticks off me, right? And so me and my uh, called the Gib, the guy in the back, we start fighting off the vehicle, you know. And so you said, I gotta, you gotta take time in chunks, right? Like I always tell people, it's like you don't have to pass all beers here at once. Just make it to breakfast, man. And then if you make it to breakfast, make it to lunch. Mm-hmm. You know, who quits before lunch? They're serving pizzas, you know. And then uh, <laughs> you make it to dinner. You know, just take it little moments in time. You make one little victory, and then don't worry about the entire. Uh, problem that you have to face and so uh you know it's, it, it's funny man I, I don't tell a lot of people this i guess i'm just about to tell hundreds of people this. Uh, <laughs> man maybe thousands i don't know your uh, your viewership just hundreds um, of thousands of people are about to hear this right now oh uh, well you know some secrets are made to last um so uh, i never fired my weapon in anger two tours in iraq ba- surge of baghdad because that wasn't my job i was a, i was a platoon commander you know mm-hmm. the marines around me are supposed to fire their weapons i'm supposed to lead direct call for air support you know medevac whatever it is <clears throat> this is the first time i fired my weapon in anger so i told people it's like if i fire a weapon it's for my own personal defense and like that's where we're at Jeez. every gun's in this fight because these these dudes are trying to uh, maneuver on us and then um i said like, we just got to make something happen mm-hmm. and uh and so my uh, my uh, we had a Ford Air Control. He's a pilot. He he, he uh, communicates with the aircraft. And I was like, "Get me birds now!" Because we're taking we're taking blows, man. We're taking uh, RPG shots, taking the machine gun fire. And I was like, "This is a real marginal situation," and I don't know that we have the ability to unstick it ourselves. And so uh, he's like, "Hey, you talk to him." And I was like, "Hey, man, I, I need support." And they're like, "We got nothing for you." I'm like, "That that's not good enough. Like, oh. that, that's not going to work." I was like, "I need air support." And they're like, there's not available. I was like, there's, there's something available. Someone, someone's got air support. So take it away from them and give it to me. <laughs> and so, uh, right? I screw them and their problems. My problems are the most important. Right? <laughs> and uh, at the time, there was a, uh, I don't know if I should say it on the, on the radio or on the, on the podcast, but there was a brevity code. Uh, you know, you've heard of Broken Arrow? Mm-hmm. There was a corollary. Um, I won't say it in case it's still used, <laughs> but bet. if you said these words, it meant, I need all available air to my position right now. So position untenable. We're about to be overrun. We're going to get wiped out. And you say this word, everything comes to you. You need right? it now. Well, allegedly, anyway. Yeah. I need it now. It's doctrinal. And so I told him, I was like, hey, I'm okay right now. And so as these, uh, you know, combatants are coming at us, you know, so as targets go up, targets go down, if you catch my drift. Yeah. But we're stuck, man. I, you know, we, I got seven mags. And, you know, we're making it count, right? And so we're being, uh, you know, being good with Uncle Sam's money. But when this runs out, I mean, we're out. And they're going to be honest. Oh. And so I was like, I think I got like 15 minutes. And then that's it. And mm. that's game over for all of us. Out. And so I was like, I really don't want to call this, you know, brevity code. Because uh, I don't know that another Marine has done that recently. And I don't want to be the one associated <laughs> with it because it sounds like losing, right? <laughs> like I need the Air Force's help. You don't like, want to be that guy. deal with my own problems. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, the inner service pride. Uh, I was like, but in 10 minutes, like, I'm going to be back on this net. Yeah. And uh, if, it, if it still goes this direction, he's like, I'm going to have to call this, you know, this, uh, well, let's say broken arrow, though that's not the term. Yep. Um, we'll, just, we'll just say broken arrow. 
And uh, they're like, yeah, I'm sorry. There's nothing I do for you. So I just threw the handset. I'm like, this freaking garbage. And I just go back to fighting. You know, I'm just like pissed off. And uh, I talked to the pilot later. Uh, they, they, it's called a joint air request. That's uh, like the channel you use to call for air. And it was a uh, colonel, full, full colonel, Air Force colonel, four of them. Uh, two lieutenant colonels, two full birds and two lieutenant colonels doing like their once a month or twice a month, like, you know, fly to maintain your currency. And they're actually in a gunfight in uh, RCE, so uh, the eastern part of Afghanistan. And um, they're like, hey, you need to make full uh, full speed to this position. He's like, I'm on the eastern border of Afghanistan. You're telling me to go to the western border of Afghanistan. That makes no sense. He's like, and I'm in a gunfight. I'm supporting a gunfight. And they're like, yeah, you have uh, like it was like they had multiple platforms. You have multiple aircraft supporting this engagement. He's like, we have a. He's like, you know, it's like, I'll be honest with you, uh, Mark, Mark, Mark Kelly. Uh, this, this guy seemed like he really means it. He seems like he really needs some support. He's a Marine <laughs> officer. Uh, I wouldn't say he was panicked, uh, but it seems like he's close to, uh, you know, let's say a broken arrow situation. And uh, he says he's going to draw you up in like 30 seconds of contact. <laughs> and he's like, well, that's an exaggeration. That can't be true. And so, because uh, he's like, yeah, I'll, I show up, I'll be, uh, you know, what, 40 seconds to bingo, which means I'll be, you know, 40 seconds away from no fuel. And that'll be the cutoff point that I got to, you know, go to a tanker. He's got a turn like, yeah, right yeah, there. Tracking all this, Mark. <clears throat> Do it. And so he's like, fucking Marines. You know, like, <laughs> all right. And so, and so I'm over here just like, you're like, man, just, you're just doing what you can. You're just trying to, you know, target up, target down. And you're like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do here. But you don't, want to, you don't want anybody to know that as you're just trying to hold on. We're just like, you know, if I can't advance the ball, at least we're not, we're not going to backslide. We're just going to hold what we have. And then just, you know, pray that there's a, you know, a Deus Ex Machina, you know, mi miracle that happens. And then uh, uh, Tufel, he's our uh, Ford Air Control. He's like, hey, we got air. I was like, oh, no shit. <laughs> I, I've written the air out of this. <laughs> and so I get on the net and, uh, you know, he's just like, hey, what's going on, man? And I was like, yeah, uh, you know, out for a stroll, having a lovely day, you know, <laughs> the 30 of my best friends. You know? <laughs> um, I'm like, hey, man. You know, you, you do the check-in. They, they tell you how many bombs they have and everything. And I was like, let's talk. Uh, what do you see up there? And he said, to be honest with you, it looks like a Snickers bar covered with ants. Oh. You're the candy. I was like, 100%. 100%. We're looking at the same picture. It's like, we're surrounded on three sides. They're trying to get on the back. We'll be completely enveloped. Uh, I, he's like, you got to get out of there. It's like, I got, I got uh, five Marines trapped next to a burning vehicle. It's like, I ain't leaving them. He's like, we're all going to die here before we leave those five Marines to be captured by the Taliban. It's not going to happen. Hmm. It's not going to happen. And he's like, all right, where do you want me to strike? You know, and I tell him, and he's just like, that's like 50 yards, man. And I was just like, yeah, so I went to the Naval Academy, right? No, I look like a mouth breather. You know, like I'm trying to shave in the morning, and I, I got to wipe the mirror. But I could do math. Like, you know, <laughs> 50 yards, I got it, right? Half a football field. Let's go. Sounds and good. he's just like, you know, like, God damn Marines, man. Because <laughs> he's taking on a lot of risk because he's the one dropping it. And then I was like, well, I'm the one on the ground. So I feel like actually most of the risk is mine. <laughs> bear. And, uh, and so I had a, a, a VS, this is a bar napkin, but uh, it's called VS-17 panel. It's a bright uh, piece of cloth. Yep. And so it's, it's to mark. And so I was like, hey, Tally, VS-17 panel. He's like, yeah, contact. And I was like, that's me, man. So I'm 70 yards away from this bomb. So I know what you're asking. I just need you to do it. And if you're not willing to do it now, I was like, when you, before you leave, like the next drop's going to be on our position because that's all we got, man. Like, we're almost dry. Oh. And so uh, I talked to him later. He's like, 
Holy like, smokes. This is not what I expected. Yeah. To deal with today, right? So Cuz normally close. they stay up higher, you know, it's it's more uh more linear problems. And so he's just like All right. All right. All right, man. So uh he's like I'm going to come in low and uh you know, take a look myself. And so he, so he comes in like treetop high. Um just real low to the ground. So what so what he was going to do is going to pop and then see the target for himself and then evaluate What's he so flying? He showed me the. What's that? What kind of bird is he flying? Oh, sorry. Yeah, man. Uh, F-15 Strike Eagles. Okay. So we have two F-15 Strike Eagles. Uh, it's a it's a two seater variant, and so you have a, a weapon systems option in the back that helps you with the actual uh, you know uh, weaponeering, and then the pilot in the front who I'm talking to. <clears throat> I don't know if I was talking to him or the or the rear seater actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw the the gun camera footage. Uh, you know, dash one goes in, does the pop. And uh, I saw this later and he's just like, man, this looks like a mosh pit. Oh. He's like, Mark, you got to drop. You got to drop now. And so uh, Colonel Kelly's like, hey, all right, wave off, man. And so then, you know, the first plane takes off. None of this is communicated to us. And so he comes in just treetop high and then starts to stagger out and drops, I think, three 500-pound bombs. and just keyholes them into this trench system. And then just, you know, <laughs> Holy smokes. Just clears this thing out, right? You know, so like just like trunks and trees and shit and did, know, other stuff. Did it knock you over the blast? It did, yeah. So I felt like I got hit with a baseball bat made out of heat. Oh. So I hit the deck because I was not expecting it. And you're just like, and then, uh, was it Irwin? Some Marines is like, the Taliban's bombing us. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's friendly. <laughs> I know it doesn't seem like it because it's like super close. And that's our guys. Like, Holy shit! When do they get airplanes? Like, no, no, pay attention. <laughs> How many fingers, right? Oh man. And, uh, yeah. So we're just all shocked. We had no plan. Like we had no like. Hey, we're gonna exploit this somehow. And then this MRAP comes out of nowhere from Golf Two Seven. So this sergeant just like shows up, snapshot in time. He's a, a former sniper, and he's like, "Man, these guys are in a bad situation." Sees the bombs drop. He's like, let's go get those wounded Marines. So no one told him to do shit. On his own direction, own initiative, this kid drives his MRAP in there, picks up these wounded, and then hightails out. And then uh, I don't know how we would have done it without him because none of us were in a position to do that. To carry him out. Yeah. Because we, I mean, my vehicle's destroyed. You know, these guys are on foot. It's just a mess, right? Mm -hmm. Just a mess. And then so we get out and um, he, uh, he, he calls me up and he's like, all right, you leaving? And I was like, nah, man, that's not how this is going to go down. I was like, we're going to redistribute ammunition and we're going to do a counterattack. And he's like, that seems ill-advised. And I was like, man, this whole thing was ill-advised. <laughs> ill-advised, that's where I live, right? This whole day you is know? ill-advised. Yeah, but we still, like, I got I to gotta walk away with the W, man. Because if we lose this, right, I mean, it's going to be 10 times worse tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so what, what, I, what I found in battle is that there's that mo- moment of consolidation where, hey, you know, I have a victory, but I can snatch it away from you. Like, you're not ready. You're not ready to defend what you have. And it's just going to be a battle of wills over this, like, because, like, I, I know that they had more dudes and, you know, all this other stuff. And I was like, we're messing them up, too, man. Yep. You know, they were not expecting us to fight as hard as we are. You know, we got reports afterwards. Uh, where they, so they would do this because all the snipers, so they would talk to our platoon. And they're like, and they were like, you know, the guys who do this one shot to the face from far away. And so they were getting tripped out. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, man, they, they have to be, you just got to put yourself in their position, you know, that, that sigh of relief. And like, you know, I didn't know we had that. It seemed like we had the advantage, but these guys look different. You know, they, uh, 
they had a kind of grit that we weren't expecting. Um, mm-hmm. Cause while we were, you know, pinned down surrounded, these guys are taking deliberate shots, you know, just imagine just, just, just firing everything you have at an individual who's just, yeah. And then one of your friends dies. Yeah. Another one, you're, you're like, ah, you know, this isn't the way this is supposed to, like, you're losing, dude. Like, act like it, right? Yeah. Act like a loser. Act like you're <clears throat> being defeated as you surely are. And so there's a, that has to be unsettling psychologically, I believe. And this is all, you know, post uh, event analysis. For sure. And so um, we, we get all the guys together and I was like, hey, man, this is, this is what I think. I think we got to go right back in there. I, but I think that if we do it and we do it right, we know it's out there now. And we, we come at them from an unexpected direction. We do something different. Um, I, I think we can pull this off. But, you know, we, we all got to be on on this. If you, if you guys don't think that's the case, you know, then let's say that now. Um, and then we can drive back to the base, you know, and then uh, try this again. And, um, and all the Marines were like, no, man, this is that's that's I didn't like how that ended. This isn't over. We're going. Uh, this is the uh, this is halftime. <laughs> right. Those two quarters. Forget about that. You know, let, let's get what we got. We're coming back in because um, we're going to. You know, uh, we're gonna sing last, as they uh, as they say at Navy, because um, we're gonna win. Those bombs had to mess uh, them up pretty good. The that's air right. support. Um, and so we had a B one <laughs> bomber check in on station, so you have air support, um, but you still got to fight out to the ground. You know, it's still the ground campaign. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, something I'm so proud of. Um, you had a guy, Phil Demers, Demers or Tim Irwin, um, kids at death's door, and then you know my corpsman. Uh, you know, there's like these these kids got they got they got heat stroke, man. It's 130 degrees. Jeez. You know, it's just just uh, boy, we had no water, so you had whatever you had on you, but you you know you just sucked that down. You know, two quarts is gone. Yeah, this, we're like four hours into this, and so you know, trying to hydrate these kids, but so the water's in the vehicles. Might as well be in another state. You can't get them under fire. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yep. And so now you know, these Marines are just suffering, and so uh, I remember me and my platoon sergeant walked up this kid, and. uh yeah, I say he's a kid. He's a man, and I was like, uh, you know, we got wounded. I need you in this. I know it's a shitty thing to ask you, like, but I, I need you to do this, um, and it might kill you. And so, I mean, I just, I just told this kid that I'm going to condemn him to death. It's a horrible thing to say. I mean, I, I feel like a terrible person for even asking him to do that. But I was like, this is it. Like, so I need 28 guns in this fight. 26, it might not be enough, hmm. you know, and. Who knows what's going to happen to the 26 to go out there? And this kid looks at me and he's like, can I drop my blouse? You know, like I, I just told you, this is going to kill you. This is going to be the last thing you do. And, and all you want to know is if you can fight in, in a t-shirt. And I'll say, yeah, don't tell the first sergeant, but that's fine. So he drops his blouse, <laughs> puts on his armor. And he, uh, he looks at his team leader. He's like, I won't slow you down. And, uh, you know, I, I tell that I, I did a, a speech to a BRC graduation. And I was like, you know, be the leader that, deserves to lead that kind of Marine. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah be that person. And, uh, and if you're not trying to aspire to be more on a daily basis and then just, just leave, mm-hmm. retire, quit, go away. Uh, cause that kid is hungry and he deserves more, you know, uh, so it's just, incredible. It's, it's just humbling. Yeah. That mindset. I, like, I, I don't know. I had that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Sorry. That mindset, uh, that mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm not going to slow you down. That kid's that kid's that kid's working on will alone. Yeah, you know that's amazing. His body's quit. His body's done. It, it's just it's just here. He's just gonna he's just gonna will himself. And he, he lived. Mm-hmm. You know, he pushed two IVs. That kid survived. Crazy. And I think that you know if you did a medical analysis, it'd be like that kid's you know uh, episode two of The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Right? He, he died and didn't know it. 
just get on, uh, get them moving. Love so, it. uh, that whale's amazing. Yeah, man. <clears throat> yeah. The, the body's amazing. Right. And so, uh, you know, the, the mental physical, uh, divide is, uh, is, is incredible. Mm-hmm. So we came up with a plan. And so the idea, I mean, it sounded good at the time. We studied a lot of Russian tactics. And so the Russians have spent a lot of time in Afghanistan, very armor heavy, very mech heavy. And so our plan was, Hey, let's take the vehicles and attack the Western portion of this trench. Yep. And, um, meanwhile, they still got you. Yep. We're good. And so, so, so we're going to take the vehicles and attack the Western portion of this trench. Meanwhile, we're going to have the rest of the platoon, what we call dismounted. So on foot move, uh, kind of, um, we call it using mask. And so behind terrain features or, you know, so they can't be seen. And so, you know, like the undulations of the, of the ground or <clears throat> idea being is maintain surprise. And then they're going to assault the Eastern portion of the trench. And so we're going to drop however many bombs in the West. And so we call it a feint. So I'm going to make you think that I'm attacking the West. And so you can see all these vehicles. You're like, Hey, all these assholes are in these vehicles. I'm going to pin them down and I'm going to basically uh, reinforce this point. Cause this is where they're going to assault decoy meanwhile what you're doing is uncovering the portion that i'm really going to assault just to the east and that gives us the advantage because our uh, our hypothesis at the time is that we get into that trench that we own it you know so we go to abreast in that trench he said there's nothing stopping us yep. it doesn't matter how many people are lined up you know because you can only put up two at a time yep Does that makes sense yeah narrow confines straight down it um that was the idea anyway so yeah, we move and we get, you know, you, you can hear what they're saying sometimes because of, you know, the assets that we had. And, uh, you know, we move to the West, start taking heavy machine gun RPG fire, just volleys. And, you know, we're dropping bombs. And you got to think about this, man. And so we drop, I don't even know how many thousands of pounds of ordnance in that trench, right? So you're fighting in a graveyard. Hmm. Just think about that. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about grit. I mean, it takes a special kind of combatant to sit there in the remains of, you know, squad one, whoever was there before, uh, you know how this could end up, you know, that they got air power. And I mean, these guys aren't rolling over, right? These are they're staunchly defending this position. Insane. And then when we dropped, they roll right back in. Um, I got to give them credit. I mean, they had a, a yeah. incredibly tough. That's insane. Yeah. Incredibly tough combatants. And they're dug in too, really hard to, uh, really hard to fight. I had a lot of respect for him. Um, so <laughs> they're good too. I remember, uh, I'll never forget this. So, uh, we're, so we're pinned down, which is fine. We're essentially supported by fire. We don't need to maneuver anymore. If that makes sense. So mm-hmm. it's fine that, you know, you, you pinned us down. You've trapped me. I've kind of trapped you in a way. And so we'll just, we'll just kind of eat this, yep. you know, exchange volleys. But then I started to take a frag on my back. And I look up and there's mortars going off, right? And so um, air burst, which is a complicated technique, and they're uh, they're coming down. Mm-hmm. So the idea is like if I can't kill you with my direct fire weapons, I'm going to use my indirect fire weapons on you. Uh, but I've never seen that before. And so I, I get on the radio and I was like, hey, steel rain, get that shit off my back. You know, add 200. What the hell are you doing? And this kid's like, hey, we're not set up yet, sir. Where do you want us? And I was like, I'm sorry, man. That's okay. So that's not you. That's, that's the bad guys. Like they can do that. You know how to adjust the mortars and uh, – I was like, that's so that's a problem for me. I was like, I need you to go take care of these guys. <laughs> Come running out with their mortar, and they ended up uh, taking out the enemy mortar systems. But the 
it just goes to explain the level of proficiency that these guys had. Uh, uh, possibly Iranian trained, possibly Iranian. Very high. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so you're thinking in your mind, you're like, man, this is not going to be an easy fight. Now, this is hour five in a nine-hour fight. And remember, we didn't get a resupply. That aviation came in, they dropped bombs, it didn't drop off magazines. And so whatever we've expended, you know, you can see, you know, so you're not, not visibly, but you, yeah, you're like, hey, I'm running low. Like, we need to, we need to make this work um, before we're completely out. So, you know, guys hit on the head towards the east. We dropped a single 500-pound bomb on the trench line in the east. And then these dudes made entry. And then, uh, you know, we heard later, these guys are kind of celebrating, right? Like, look at these assholes. You know, they're pinned down. They're getting chewed up. Vehicles getting hit with RPGs or, you know, whatever, whatever they're saying. Um, dropping bombs. They can't. They cannot advance. We've stopped their advance. We've propelled their attack. You know, it's only a matter of time before they give up. And then, hey, they're in the trench. Who's in the trench? I don't know. Americans. No, the Americans are right in front of us. He's like, and then. And so you can imagine now oh. in your psyche, whoa, whoa, what's this? This is different. And then it's coming from the east, which is where reinforcements have come from. We oh. don't have any reinforcements. It's us and Golf 2-7, you know, doing what we can. Um, Golf 2-7 being the, the infantry Marines who are with us in the attack. So they've joined us, um, but we've had no external reinforcement. And so, yeah, so these kids from, uh, two, you know, Golf 2-7 uh, and, and these uh, recon Marines, you start clearing this trench system and then there's, you know, further contacts and just start making our way deliberately through this town um, until it was done. Crazy. And so, yeah. And so the thing was is that once we seize the trench, these guys lost their minds. And so you think about like, there's like, there's, there's some, you know, uh, movement through the trench line, but like th those two, uh, those two M4s up front as they rotate through, I mean, that's death. Yeah. Like anybody's in front of that's going down. All they had to do is put one machine gun down and we'd been done. Yeah, but like you don't think through these things, and so they, uh, you know, they, they cleared out this trench system, so so people started to jump out, kind of like being on fire. Uh, you just want to get away from the heat, mm -hmm. but you know, there's machine guns outside, so once they're outside the trench, that's that's not a, a good situation to be in. And then you know, all the snipers, so all the drivers are snipers, so they're set up. They're waiting, and it's a turkey shoot. And then, yeah, I mean, it took took several hours, um, and we cleared the town. Jeez, and. Uh, yeah, we got the call. Like they're, they're like, hey man, uh, so we killed the leadership, um, or, or wounded. They're like, yeah, the leaders are done, and they sort of fragment, right? They had no ability to command and control the troops, you know, because I, you don't work for me. I, I'm a Alazai or Nurzai, or you know, whatever the hell. Hmm. And they're like, hey man, this is uh, this is not this is not going well. <clears throat> what a day! And they pulled out, man. Yeah, and so like we're down to like two mags a piece, man. And uh, so we call cruiser weapons. It's like machine guns because it's, it's operated by a crew. Uh, dry every uh dodic dodic's uh ammo uh it's a number associated with ammunition but we had one can of 240 it's a medium machine gun and so we're like put that thing in the front but like we're completely dry no more grenades uh, no more mark 19 no more 50 cal just completely um bone dry everyone's down yeah, to one or are, two know, mags dry heaving from uh you know heat stroke uh it's just terrible man and man. uh me and Blonder, and they're like, what do we do? And I was like, we're going to stand up, and we're going to walk around for like a solid 10 minutes. And we're going to show them this is ours, right? Mm. You, you want to keep going? Let's keep going. But we, we got we to make a statement. And I want them to see it. I want the villagers to see it. I want the people to see it. That these guys brought everything they had, hundreds of fighters. And they couldn't do it, right? And they, they learned that, you know, the, uh, the strongest walls are made out of uh, brick. And they're made out of men, made mm. out of Marines. 
uh, and uh, Marpat, um, so our camouflage. And so we did, and then uh, we're like, we should leave because <laughs> we can't do this again. <laughs> and they might be, for all I know, doing a counterattack against us because, uh, uh, you know, we're a hollow force right now. You're out. And so, uh, yeah, so then we, we took off, man. Man, what a crazy day. I had no idea. Yeah, and then it was funny because the, the Taliban were like, hey, we won. And uh, we got a report. The villagers is like, it took us a week to find and bury all of your dead. So don't tell me you won. Yeah. No. Because if you won, you'd have taken your, your friends with you, and you wouldn't have left them in my field for me to bury, which for them is very uh, dishonorable. Mm-hmm. The band you're dead, I, I think, is for most cultures. So it was a – yeah, so it was kind of a long uh, <clears throat> dialogue. But that's the, uh, you know, the battle shawan. Man. Um, yeah, the mindset of that day and that kid is phenomenal. Where did where did you go from there? Yeah, so that's a trip too, man. Um, this is water. I wish it was beer. <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere, but it's not five o'clock here. I got to go pick up my uh, my kids from school. It'd be an awkward uh, drop off. Stay on the water for now. Yeah, I think yeah, I think I get some some coffee um yeah so we went back to the fob and then just like the uh everybody's just talking about it and they're like what was that you know um you know doing this because uh there's like 70 or 80 single shot uh headshots i had uh one marine got a silver star uh crawled up on this berm under fire killed 20 dudes inside of 20 minutes with 21 shots 18 headshots 17 or 18 headshots yeah, so nuts. every time an RPG gunner stood up to take a shot, his head exploded. Jeez. It's just, I've never seen anything like it. Um, never seen anything like it. Frank Simmons, uh, incredible, incredible sniper. Hmm. Um, and so these dudes are just like, that's that's not what we expected. That's just not our experience. And so um, this dude rolls in, uh, some farmer, right? And uh, <laughs> I really tell a lot of people this. And so we had the Haji Kadadad. Haji Kadadad was our police chief. Mujahideen. He's a Mujahideen fighter. Fought the Russians. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so I, I got to tell you a secret. Like, yeah, what's that, man? He's like, he's not a farmer. I was like, he doesn't look like a farmer. <laughs> uh, he's got a lot of scars. You know? Like, I'm not a farmer, but I don't, I don't think there's a lot of scarring uh, that happens uh, from farming. Yeah. Um, not if you're doing it right. <clears throat> I'm like, that guy looks like a fighter. Right? And he's like, yeah, he's a Mujahideen with me, but he's a Taliban. His name is Bas Muhammad. I'm like, that's uh, number one HBI in this sector. We've been looking for that guy. That guy's the leader for everybody. He just rolled in? He just rolled in, uh, pretending to be a farmer. And so I was like, well, that's going to be great for us when we hit the, you know, cover the Marine Times. Yeah. For rolling this dude up. <clears throat> and then Haji Kadadad's like, I, I really ask you not to do that. So I offered him my protection. So with Pashin Wali, you know, my code, it'd be a violation of my honor if he did that. He's here to talk. And so I was like, all right, man, let's talk. And so, and the way he explained it to me was he's like, this guy's not like most Taliban. He's real Taliban. He has a sense of honor. He's, he's got ethics. They're not necessarily our ethics or our code of honor, but like his word is his bond. Hmm. And so you can negotiate with this dude. And then others who would replace him are not going to be as uh, honorable. And so I was like, well, you know, you know the area, you know the people. I've been here like a week, you know. It's been an eventful week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I've only been in Afghanistan for a week. I'll, you know, I'll take your word for it. And so, uh, you know, I walk in and then, uh, I don't know if you've dealt with like Afghanis, Iraqis are kind of similar. Um, 
takes a while to get to the point. Kind of like me. You know, how's the weather? You know, like you're just pretending that yesterday we didn't have this like nine hour battle. Like, you know, like, still up yeah, nice. to small talk. So it was 130 degrees yesterday. It's uh, 115 today. So that's, that's fantastic. Right. <laughs> and so I was like, anyway, that's been fun. Uh, are you on top of the battle? And he's like, what battle? And I'm like, yeah, you know, the one yesterday. And um, it's funny because he's like, are you Baz Khan? And I was like, I am. And so, uh, you know, Byron's kind of a uncommon name. Mm-hmm. So I learned I had a price on my head in Iraq. And so I learned that, like, I'm not going to say my name. And so I was Bosom uh, in Iraq. And then I became Baz Khan, you know. Um, Baz is an eagle <clears throat> in uh, Pashin. And Khan is an honorific. And so that just was my name. And, the, you know, the Afghans liked it. The people liked it. It was just easier for them to remember than, you know, Byron Owen. And mm-hmm. that's good uh, per sec, yeah. you know, personal security to not use my own name. He's like, you're a bus con? I mean, it's obviously, in, it's not in English. He was in Pashtun, so through a translator. I was like, yeah, that's right. And he goes, I was like, yeah, that's right. Crazy. And he's, uh, he's just like, well, I'm a farmer, and I know nothing of fighting. I was like, yeah, keep going. And he's, uh, he says, he's like, your men are very brave. The bravest I've ever seen. And I was like, why is that? And he's just like, you have so much... Um, what is the word that you use, you know, like bravado, mm-hmm. like machismo almost that even though you have airplanes, you said, leave them away. We're going to fight on foot like men. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's why we did it. There's no other possible reason that we would fight without air support. That is clearly, it was the bravery. It was the bravado. We just wanted to prove ourselves to you. Maybe oh, test ourselves. Man. But it resonated with him. He's like, you know, you guys came in. There's no air support. We were able to get all the women and children out of the village. They're off and safe. And so now when we engage, you know, it's man to man. He's like, you know, it's one of the reasons we didn't use any IEDs because we respected that, which I appreciated because, you know, the dismount IEDs is terrible. Yeah. And he's like, and you guys did a trench assault and you're fighting, you know, mano a mano in the trenches. You know, you use some aircraft, but not very many. Um <laughs> And he's just like, this is, you know, this is not what we're used to here. You know, we're just used to Americans coming in, just blowing everything up, <clears throat> killing our families. They don't understand this kind of fighting that you do. Wow. Not that I'm a fighter. You know, I'm a farmer, <clears throat> you know, lover, not a fighter. Wow. And so I was like, yeah, man. So what? What, what, uh, what do you want? And he's just like, so why are you here? I'm like, that's, that's a great question that I don't have time to fully get into. <laughs> but um, I don't know if you realize this. But every time we try to go through your town to get to the district center or to the provincial center, like 500 assholes show up and try to kill us. That's a problem. I mean, we weren't looking for a fight. We're just looking to get to the uh, the freaking town over there to Farah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, huh? Yeah, I can see that <laughs> problem. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> we did this like three times, three Navy crosses, huge battles that are going to be on the, you know, the next version of the Pacific or Band of Brothers. Um, that's and he's like, so what do you want? I was like, to drive our vehicles through this town without getting into a nine-hour you know, blowout fight. All that destruction. He's just like, we just want to uh, promote stability, security, you know, and then provide a, you know, uh, the foundations of some sort of local economy, you know, prosperity. Like, these are not, these are not bad things. And so yeah. he's like, so you're not here to steal our women. And I was like, no, who's, who's been talking to you? <laughs> Right, like no steal your women, stealing the women, not on the table. Right, like that's not on the option tree, you know. And he's uh, he's like, oh, 
are you here to burn my poppy? And I was like, also not the DEA. Yeah. Right. That does run counter to some uh, American objectives, but that's not my job. I just stick to my job jar. That's outside of it. So he's like, huh? Well, that's not bad. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, drive can through. you dig me a well? I was like, yeah, I could dig a well. Uh, he's like, as you know, uh, the guy down the street, he's got a well, lords it over me every day. And like, oh, did you have to go to the market to get water? I went to my well. And it's like, it really burns my ass. You know, because I want my own well. Like, that's a, you know, you haven't made it until you have your own well. And I told him, I was like, then we need some security. I was like, I got to be able to walk through there. You think I'm going to bring USAID and, you know, the Peace Corps in here to dig a well when there's these nine-hour fights? <laughs> also, the Peace Corps might look like me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Sans uniform, because there's no way they're coming in here. But, you know, it's like, if you give me a month of peace, it's like, I'll get you a well. And so uh, I put out a, I had a paper that we wrote, uh, Boscon's rules, you know, it's like, no murder, no rape, you know, just basic stuff. I was like, you know, these things have to be instituted in the town. For a month. No theft. And he's like, what about tax on the ring road? And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> Going rate, the, the, like the Taliban would come out there, stop your vehicle, and charge you uh, like a toll. I was like, 10%. He's like, ah, oh, buddy, 20%. I was like, no, no, no. 12%, nobody dies, right? Was like, that's, that's it. You can't, you know, take, take your chickens and pigs. You gotta, you know, can't be too much. That is insane. And so he said, it's, fuck, it's wild. And uh, he's like, well, there's a problem. I was like, what's the problem? He's like, I gotta be armed. I got, we gotta hire fighters. And I was like, yeah, that's problematic. But I have a solution for you. I was like, if you utilize, is it a uh, red sash, some sort of red sash, and you tie, you know, bandana, something, and you wear red. I'll know you're my friend. Red for America, red, white, and blue. And he's like, but if I do that, then the Taliban know I'm your friend. I'm like, hey man, you got to pick a side, right? <laughs> you got to, you got to figure something out. So he walks out. He's like, I got a lot to think about with my other farmer friends. And then Blonder's like, sir, we just let number one HVI in this freaking district out the door just like, walk out i thought you went to college to like learn stuff <laughs> not do dumb stuff like this right and i was like yeah this is probably a mistake but you know let's let's let it play out and so we uh we go uh, let's go back to the town and so we roll in and there's just hundreds of taliban oh, you know in the back of like ford rangers or uh toyota hiluxes or whatever yeah and uh, i was like oh man this is gonna be this is gonna be bad <laughs> just like hey Cigar shaped defense, face outboard, you know, start picking out targets. And so, you know, what I'd say about that is like, you know, I'm going to shoot over this guy, you know, whatever. Yeah. Start get, get ready for a fight, but hold your fire. Because <laughs> I was like, if they don't have hostile act, hostile intent, just existing is not enough to kill them. You got to gotta have some other conditions set. But it's tough, right? These guys have got RPGs, you know, they got the like Pancho Villa style, you know, ammo draped across them. And then it's just kind of a standstill. And so I'm you know, staring at them, they're staring at us. Back in town. Uh, yeah, back and forth, man. Uh, so it's a kind of standoff. You can't say what it is because it's probably racist now. But, uh, you know, southwestern standoff. <laughs> let's, let's say that. Um, and this fat dude, big guy. Probably can't say that anymore either. I'm going to get myself canceled. Uh, <laughs> he comes out of the vehicle. And then I notice all these dudes look like Axl Rose, man. Red bandanas everywhere. No way. And uh, he comes. He's like this. And so I end up hugging this fat, sweaty dude. And I'm just like, what is going on right now? And he's just like, I'm Farid. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's nice to meet you, Farid. And he's like, you know, I'm uh, Baz Muhammad's uh, son. 
he says that we're uh, going to work with you. And so this is, I, sh I shouldn't tell you this because it's embarrassing. And so he's like this. And so I hold this fat sweaty dude's hand and then we <laughs> score, go strolling. <laughs> There's your we're just walking, you know, and it's like kids are out playing, you know, and I was like, what is going on? Trippy. And uh, yeah. <clears throat> and he's like, what is this you call it? I'm like, it's called a patrol. And he's like, how long do you patrol? And he's, you know, he's kind of a corpulent guy. I was like, I don't know, 20 minutes an hour. He's like, that's a, that's a, long, that's a long patrol. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, can we, can we cut it down? And I was like, yeah, it's fine. And so then they leave. And I was like, now they're going to fight us. And then, no. And so then uh, there'd be these reports. We're like, hey, we're going to attack the Americans. And this guy, would, we, we could hear some of the stuff they're doing. Chatter. And I'm like, no, 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 they're our friends. He's like, I know you're my cousin, but if you fight him, I got to kill you. <laughs> that's just that's just how it is, man. Like, Holy. I'm going to see you at the picnic on Sunday. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll see you. Uh, so, uh, you know, hope you survive. Crazy world. Back. Crazy world. It was a trip. And just like they're on, this guy was right. They had an honor code. They stuck by it, you know? And so there was nothing. Like no shots fired in anger for about, we left. Uh, we went to a different district, you know, uh, now Zad, another problem area. Mm -hmm. But the Marines were telling us, he's like, this, you know, Fareed would be out there with us, you know, walking. You know, they'd, uh, you know, say hi to Boss Khan for me. Uh, and then we were, we were driving, because uh, uh, we had nothing, man. Like we were living like savages. No, uh, no hardened structures, like cots and cami netting. And what's 130 degrees, you know, by eight o'clock, like that's not great, you know? Yeah. And so we had no laundry facilities. Like you're, you know, got a, you got a hole that you use, you know, for your, uh, let's say for your hygiene, mm -hmm. you know, that bottle of water. Uh, but the, uh, they had a Marine special operations uh, company in Farah. They had a chow hall, you know, we're eating MREs. They had showers, you know, they're living, they're living high on the hog. And so any excuse we had, like, oh, let's escort the convoy over there. That sounds great, right? Then we'd like to send un unwashed savages. And they'd be like, oh, man, just go, just, go use the laundry. And they're just like, can we get some, uh, get steaks in here? You know, so crazy. Like descend. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, we're on the way back and we see this dude, he's in the road, right? But his head is not. So body, no head. And so we're like, well, I guess that's how you declare that the truce is over in Afghanistan. Jeez, that's how you body. figured it out. You know, email would have been a fine. God, but, you know, you know, a headless messenger, <clears throat> Ichabod Crane over there. Did you ever and, have to build the well? Yeah, we built the well. Man, yeah. you got to get in the well. You got to deliver <laughs> on the well. We, I mean, we we paid for someone to do it. We, yeah. we contracted out. I mean, I'm not digging the well. Yeah, that guy. But um, <laughs> yeah. So then Fareed's at the base, right? And I'm like Fareed again. Twenty minute conversation. How's the weather? How's the wife and kids? You know, we're doing this. You know, just like Freed. He's like, yeah, boss. And I was like, headless body. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. There's a headless body on the road. And uh, he said a foreign fighter came from Syria to fight you, and he was going to set off an IED on your patrol, and we'd already declared you're off limits. And so to set a message, we cut his head off. And left his body in the road, and I was like, "That is not what I thought was going to happen." Jeez. And he's got he's got a bag, and I was like, "I'm good on what's in the bag." He's like, "Do you want to see it?" And I'm like, "No, man, I'm 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 totally fine." On the, I'm like, "Wow!" And he's like, "Yeah, no." He's like, "When we give our word that you know you're our ally, like, that's meaningful, right? Like you're under our protection. Wow. We we're under yours, and now we're partners. And it just tripped me out. Yeah, and, that uh, stuff's just, wild. Um, yeah, I mean, these are guys that we fought against. I mean, just like bitter fighting. Mm -hmm. you know close quarters brutal fighting and then our you know uh, i wouldn't say best of friends 
Um, but you know, working hand in hand, yeah. it's just, uh, just nuts. That's mind blowing. All from that one meeting after that fight. Well, he's like, you could tell who the person he's like, I, I know who you are based on what you did. Mm-hmm. You're a person of integrity and then you, you know, you got some stuff. Uh, you know, all of you do. Yeah. And, uh, it was a, it was a trip, man. Dang. But so then yeah. where'd your military career go to get to you where you're at now? Yeah. So like I said, that was like week one. And so over the course of that, like nine months, 10 months that we were out there, you know, we would go district to district and just, uh, you know, do what needed to be done. Similar situations, similar stories across, you know, we don't have time for on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, got back, uh, I got, I got, I got wounded again. And then, uh, you know, my wife's like at Byron, you know, you're like three for three, you know, three <laughs> deployments, three people hearts. Like you're not good at infantry. You got to do something else. Right. You know, <laughs> like dip dive duck dodge do something right just don't stand there and so i was like nah, it's a valid point you know and so i uh i left the infantry uh went to intelligence military intelligence you know she reminded me we've already established that you're not intelligent uh but you know give it a shot see what happens maybe they're you know really short on people they could, uh, learn something yeah learn something and then uh I ended up right back at recon. And so even though I changed uh, my specialty, uh, we had a parachute fatality out of first recon battalion. And so they're like, Hey, give me a guy who knows what he's doing. You know, the major. And so I, I went, I was the opso uh, at first recon battalion. And then I got to be the, uh, the CEO of first force recon company. So where it started, I had to be the commanding officer of that company, which is really, uh, really cool for me. Um, really awesome. That's amazing. Just like, I couldn't be more honored to, to be the commander there. Yeah. And I went to the Naval War College uh, after I got done there, and I told my wife, I was like, you know, I want to do something different, you know, just uh, something completely different. And so I took orders to Marfor Cyber, because, you know, cyber is, you know, it's a new frontier, yep. um, better opportunities for getting out. There's a lot of reasons, you know, why I was interested in, uh, you know, learning more about cyber. Ended up commanding a, uh, an offensive cyber team there. And so... Uh, did a lot of really cool things with them. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 to me, it's really fascinating um, because what I, what I found at Mar- Marine Forces Cyber, Mar Force Cyber, was that warfare is warfare mm-hmm. and leadership is leadership. And so a lot of these folks I was dealing with, like my peers, they're like, well, this is how we do it in cyber. And I was like, no, no, this is just how you do it. Right. And what, and what you're saying doesn't match up. Like you're trying to lead through a computer screen, through an email. That's not how you do it. Get your ass out of your chair go walk the line and I don't care if it's a cubicle farms, like go talk to those Marines face to face. That's what they deserve. Mm-hmm. They deserve a face to face conversation. And then you find out it's all the same stuff. You know, like I didn't get to go to my, uh, we call PME. It's like education. So I didn't qualify for Sergeant. I'm like that's bullshit. Cinema school. Yeah. You know, we had a, she's an awesome Marine, uh, Dornelis Nader. Uh, she couldn't get to go to her, uh, whatever school she needed to go to Sergeant. Cause she's so critical in this like hacking community that they couldn't replace her. And I'm like, well, she's going to leave because she's getting abused right here. You're, you're abusing this Marine because mm-hmm. you're saying that she has to be there. So she can go to this two-week course where she can get a promotion, get more money. You know, like, come on. That, yeah. that's, that's a poisonous organization. <clears throat> and in the infantry, any one of us can get shot and someone's going to replace them. So I'm just going to send her to school with doing no analysis. And I'm just going to assume you're going to figure it out because Marines don't fail missions. And guess what? Figured it out. They were able to, you know, substitute, do whatever. And I was like, you got to change the culture here. Because this has to be a warrior society, just like Force Recon was. Everywhere. Because these Marines are fighting. 
Mm-hmm. Even if in cyberspace, you have that same mentality, that same hunter ethos that I'm, I'm going to, I have a target, I'm going to track it down, I'm going to execute something on that objective, you know, whether it's, you know, take a shot or I'm going to, you know, inject some code or do whatever it is. The mentality has to be the same. You're not going to uh, quit. Warfare is warfare. Yeah. And warfare is about people and not computers. Hmm. So uh, that was a lot of fun. I did that um, for three or four years. And then I uh, actually got command of 3rd Radio Battalion in Hawaii, uh, which is a uh, signals intelligence. Uh, it's related to cyber, cyber uh, electronic warfare battalion. That was really cool. If I got my, my third radio stuff up here. It's in the corner. You can't see it. <laughs> no problem. Um, but uh, yeah, it was awesome. Um, really, really fortunate uh, to be able to do that. Um, that's 20 years, man. Man. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. That's, that's 20 years of stuff. In a fifty-three minute conversation, <laughs> quite the career. That's insane. That's yeah, something. Yeah, just really lucky to work with some, you know, some great young people, right? Because uh, we tend to, uh, I think, focus on officers and commanders, you know, generals, you know, colonels. Uh, but something I learned, you know, in those twenty-one years is, at the end of the day, um, the, the the victory or defeat that comes through battle is going to be borne on the shoulders of a young corporal or sergeant. And so mm-hmm. we call non-commissioned officers. You know, our, our young, our youngest level of leader is what's going to be the determining factor in, in a war, whether it's in Shawan, uh, whether it's in the Revolutionary War, uh, whether it's in you know, cyberspace. It all comes back to, you know, to the lowest level of employee that we have, uh, which is our NCOs, which is what are, you know, where I think that our investment should be, our focus, our attention, um, and solicit the opinions and, and voices of those people. And that's how, you know. Uh, we and uh, I'm convinced. I mean, I've never been out of the military uh, since I was 18. That benefits any organization. Yeah, is uh, you know, in heavy investment in your uh, you know lowest rung of your ladder, and you're going to get you know uh, incredible dividends back, uh, and then and then be successful. How are those folks doing these days? Like mindset wise, in t- late 2023, like how are the younger guys in the military doing? It's a different time, man. Um, God, now, now all the all the you're gonna get the boomer jokes in the comments. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm losing AirPods here. Uh, do you still have me? I got you. Yep. Um, it's different, right? I, I think that this generation they're not doing as many sports. I hate to typecast the generation. Um, the experiences are different. There's more virtual stuff out there that, you know, I didn't have when I was a kid, you know, I was out as a kid, it was like, uh, you know, go outside, drink from the hose, be back at night or not, whatever, you know, figure it out. <laughs> and you see that in boot camp, uh, you know, more lower leg injuries just cause there's less activity. So, you know, your bones aren't as strong, more prone to athletic injuries. Yeah. Um, but the, the Marine, or, you know, or service member of any kind, I think once they get through those hurdles, they get through the boot camp, they get through the school of infantry, it, it's the same kind of Marine. It's just that we have a smaller pool of individuals who have those qualities that we're looking for in order to do what we need them to do. Because mm-hmm. it's a very physical job, particularly the Marine Corps. It's, it's, you got to carry a lot of weight on your back. Um, the, your grit can overcome a lot of physical limitations, but it can't overcome all of them. You need a certain level of baseline of fitness, physical fitness and toughness. Yeah. You know, you still got to move the weight. You know, the weight's the weight, you know, 80 pound rucks and 80 pound ruck. You know, you can't just heart that over your head 
um, you, you got to have some, uh, yep. some, some, some strength. <laughs> yeah. You have to have a baseline. Yeah. How are you, but, uh, how, how are you right. passing down everything you've been through, everything you've learned, mindset stuff, grit stuff? How have you, have you found good ways to pass it down to your kids? Yeah, with my kids, certainly. Um, you, you try to do it, um, you know, in the military as you can. I, I started a, I started a website, uh, Key Train Cyber, and trying to pass lessons. Uh, I got a you know crew of people from various walks of life in the military and some civilian. Who are, uh, you know, so I think we're at a inflection point in uh, in the military now. Where we're preparing for a conflict, you know, with a peer or near peer adversary that we're not necessarily going to participate in. Mm-hmm. We're going to age out. So my generation is possibly going to age out of the military. And we're going to have a young generation who's going to have to learn these lessons the hard way. And it's, it's going to be a different battlefield. A lot of things are going to be different. But there are a lot of things that I learned in, in Afghanistan that were the same lessons, you know, that Dick Winters learned, uh, you know, Band of Brothers in World War II, uh, that, you know, George Washington and, you know, his, you know, merry band of, uh, you know, revolutionaries learned the Revolutionary War. That's the same because combat's combat. Yep. You know, the, the weapons change, um, but, you know, warfare still remains the same in many ways. And so trying to create you know, mentorship platforms where we can relay these lessons and kind of let these young folks who are much more digitally connected, translate that into their current environment, hmm. but maybe think about things in a different way uh, based on our experiences, you know, learn through our stories. And so I, I kind of do that through the, uh, through the website. That's awesome. With a lot of uh, professional development, uh, solicit writing and then connect them with mentors. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. What's that uh, website again? Yeah. Key terrain cyber. Key terrain. Key terrain cyber.com. Um, and so it's, it's free. Uh, that's amazing it's not business because it makes no money. Yeah. <laughs> and my wife reminds me of that all, all the time, but it's, uh, you know, cause at some point, man, I, I, I'm going to get out. Right. And so I have uh, more time behind me than ahead of me. And so right now my job provides me with a sense of purpose, like an altruism that is, is very central to me. And then also provides with my family. I, I see a world that when I get out, I might not find one thing that does both. Maybe mm-hmm. I'd love to. So I told my wife, it's like, I have to have something that provides that sense of purpose or I'm going to be lost. Yep. I have to, that connection to the middle. I mean, look, you look at this wall, man, and it goes down the, you know, the, the, the room here. I spent so much of my time in uniform. This is, this, is, this is tattooed to my soul. And so if I stay connected by helping these young people out, which is the best aspect of being in the military is helping out the young NCOs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to fill me with purpose. And then whatever I do for work, you know, is whatever I do for work. That's phenomenal. So that's kind of a, Yeah. Been, it's been kind of cool. It's been, it's been kind of fun. Yeah, so, that's uh, phenomenal. These kids have the same questions, you know, and the same fears that we did when we were young. And it's nice to talk to somebody with no repercussions, right? Like, hey, man, I'm really thinking about doing this or that. What do you think? I was like, you know what? I'm gonna. I had a young kid. He's like, uh, think about going into the Intel community. I was like, I know a person who's at that agency who can give you the best advice on what to do and what's the pathway to get you where you need to be. They hooked him, and the guy's got a job there now. Dang. Full-on employee, you know, and it's, it's been cool. A young sergeant uh, wrote an article about uh, the Israeli-Hamas uh, uh, conflict before it happened. And he's like, this is how they might use the internet to attack, uh, you know, Israel. Young sergeant, right? And she yeah. gave him a voice, she gave him a platform, and then that's just been uh, yeah, really fulfilling. Really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll make sure to include that in the show notes. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, Byron, thank you so much. That's an, an amazing full life you've lived so far and i know you got more to do it's it's amazing what you've done and been through and the the mindset and and grit that that took to get you to this 
point now is is humbling. It's awesome. Yeah, hopefully that's what you're looking for. Um, I, th- I think we covered a lot of the stuff that I think is central to Mountain Tough. There's a lot of uh, connections between the military, you know, what we do, and then what you're uh, you're fostering and promoting with Mountain Tough. Yeah, I really appreciate you all having me on the podcast. It's really fun. This is actually one of my first podcasts. You crushed yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate that. <laughs> it was awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone. That was an insane conversation from Byron. Before we close out, wanted to take a second and share a what's your mountain story with you guys. We have some powerful ones pouring in to the Mountain Tough community right now. That Byron conversation was phenomenal. It really shows you what people can do mentally and how strong the human brain and the will and the willpower actually is. What really stood out to me was how he talked about going up to that younger Marine with heat stroke. The guy had heat stroke. He couldn't move. Byron was like, you're going to fight or you're going to die. And that kid's like, well, let me drop a layer. I'm too hot. Dropped a layer, got up and started fighting again. I mean, the willpower of the human body is crazy when we tap into that mindset and what a great conversation from Byron. Now today's what's your mountain story is from James Kaiser. I'm just going to read this to you guys. This is a really inspirational story of his conversation around diving into the mountain tough app. And he specifically dove into the mental toughness side of the app. So he's talking about our mindset curriculum but this is what it says. Hello, my name is James Kaiser. I'm from Elizabeth, Tennessee. Just wanted to write this email to say thank you for all that you provide from your app. I'm an electrical contractor in my area, and I have faced many obstacles. Over the last 15 years, I've literally lost everything I had and built it back. In 2010, I went through an ugly divorce, literally lost my home, my job in the same day. 2011, I met my current wife. After we got married, she started nursing school. So we dropped one income to allow her to complete school, which she did. While all this was going on, I was also completing my apprenticeship for an electrical journeyman, which I did. Okay, fast forward to 2015 when we lost my sister unexpectedly to a massive heart attack. In 2018, we decided to become foster parents due to the fact we weren't able to have children, and took in a sibling group of three girls. We were told these would be our kids. However, due to unforeseen circumstances, they were taken from us. In 2019, we adopted two boys and a little girl through the foster care system. In the middle of all of this, I also managed to start a successful business. While I'm starting the physical workouts in Mountain Tough Plus, I've already gained so much from the mental side of the app. There is not a lot of programs to help men out there, and I'm glad that you guys are trying to fill that gap. I've really enjoyed all the insight that has been offered. I'm working every day to try and prove my mental toughness. Sincerely, James Kaiser. Thanks, James. Thanks for sharing that story. That is truly inspirational. It definitely reminds me of how you just have to fail forward and you can't fail if you never quit and that story is just a great example of that. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for listening today, Mountain Tough. We love you guys, and we'll see you for the next episode.